guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. False. You are a monster. Why do we never start the show with any of the dignity that we want to pretend clings to us? I I don't think I've ever pretended to have dignity like on the internet. Could Only we could could life. you fake it? Like just fake it. No. no. Cuz if I fake it, like somehow I'll make it cuz oh. my skill is failing upwards, you oh know my it. God. All right, guys, this week's episode we're going to talk about our favorite favorite show about teen bestiality followed by a discussion of Netflix's new The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, then MK is going to give us a deep rundown of her new favorite television series of all time, CSI Cyber. I will talk and apologize extensively about K-drama, and then we'll discuss the latest incursion into fandom, this new break in the fourth wall um, in the New York Magazine story. Before, I am going to be sitting down with a bunch of super rad ladies to talk about the first season of Empire. Um, and without further ado, MK, what is what are the haps in Beacon Hills? Uh, I, okay, so they did a Paley Festival thing for Teen Wolf. This is my understanding. Right. Uh, and one of the great things that happened, leading up to the terrible thing that happened, is that the moderator told everybody to close their eyes and then like put up their hand when he listed the season that was their favorite or what they thought was the best season. And he says like season one and everybody who was on season one, except for Jeff Davis, who's like a human disaster, puts <laughs> up their hand. Uh, and anybody else put up like the first season that they were in, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then, like shortly after they're like, Oh, by the way, uh, Tyler Hecklin who plays Derek Hale, just like won't be a regular in the new season. Like, he'll barely be there. But what we are doing is casting a bunch of identical blonde twinks. So, I don't know if you... You probably don't know this. But, like, last season and maybe this season before, the news before the season would open is, like, look at this blonde twink that we hired. And then, like, they would be like, look at this other blonde twink that we hired. And I know I'm face blind, but apparently it's not just me. Like, everybody else is like, no, all of those dudes are basically identical. And two of them are twins, of course. I know about the twins, because I'm told that they fuse together into one monster, and that their penises combined. But that's, like, all I know about the blonde twink situation on TV. That's, that's all you need to know about the blonde twink. I mean, they're, like, other than that, so there's two that fuse into, like, a giant penis monster, and then there's all of these other blonde twinks that, like, nobody can tell apart. And they're getting rid of the best eye candy, in my opinion, on the entire show. Plus, like, we have sunshine in real life, Tyler Hecklin. And I'm just like, I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, get out while you can. And on the other hand, I'm like, I'm not watching it. But, like, I bet you, you just lost a lot of viewers who were there purely for, like, Hecklin eye candy. I mean, I don't understand why anybody watches Teen Wolf, but, like, eh. Yeah, whatever. I'm sorry that Let's that just, happened to your fandom, though. It's okay. I mean, I think everyone pretty much knows that Teen... I'm going to get in so much shit for this. <laughs> Teen Wolf fandom is dying and has been for a while. Like, I'm really just waiting for, like, a new thing to, to absorb me. Is It's, it's going to be like that time we said that Inception fandom was mostly over. And people freaked out, and I was like, but it is. But also, and why do you care what we think? Don't care what I think. I'm clearly... 
literally an idiot. I opened this podcast by just saying balls. I know. Beyond which, like, there are people who are still trucking along in Stargate Atlantis fandom. Like, I don't know who you people are, but Godspeed and good weather. Like... Not just Stargate. Like, there's some, like, fandoms that I watched, like, when I was a like, kid. And, like, people are like, you know what I should do? Start writing fic for this now. And I'm like, I mean, A+. plus, Like, but, but don't... How... Do you feel lonely? Like, what's happening over there? I I don't know. I feel like they... Uh, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. I just, I can't. I need, like, constant input. I need, like, all of the fanfic. Yeah, but MK, you and I are both, like, ADHD. Well, not ADHD. We are both ADD. Yes. Like, we are, like... I feel like there are some people who may not know this. We essentially cope by having minimum two or three sources of stimulus coming at us at the same time, all the time. Yeah, and I, I, can't, I can't live without that. Yeah, I know. And then there's, like, our friends, like, Hoyden, who has to write and read in monastic silence. And who, when we were in Austin and we were trying to watch Sabrina, like, I think almost murdered us. Because <laughs> she, we just, like, would not fucking shut up and stop doing, like, eight other things. But that's literally the way you and I focus on something. Yeah, I mean, earlier today I was editing the podcast, reading something, and, like, doing some Twitter shit, and I was like, I don't know if this is enough input, like, I might need more input, what else can I do? Yeah, it's really bizarre how, like, even when we're failing, we can still be so cripplingly bored by everything. <laughs> <laughs> go, go team, go us. So, like I said, first season Sherlock resonated with us really strongly. Yes. Bored! <laughs> so bored! So bored! So bored, that's why we have two podcasts. Okay. Um, yeah, let's steer ourselves back into familiar waters here. So I did not watch this, but I've been seeing, um, a lot of discussion about this. Um, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, so my brother and his wife recommended this to me with the caveat that because it's a comedy, I might not like it, which is <laughs> always the fair cut. Co- like, I have a lot of trouble watching comedy. Right. Because it has readers. Um... So this, I would say, is in some ways, like, in tone, kind of similar to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Um, From what I know, it's a Netflix original comedy series. And essentially, it opens with uh, these four women who are wearing, like, you know when you go to those, like, weird... They're dressed dressed like sister wives. They're dressed like the women who escape from cults. Yeah. Uh, because they've been living in a bunker for 15 years with a cult leader who told them that the world ended and that, like, everything on the surface is just, like, lava and disaster and that they're the only people alive and that they're lucky that God saved them because they're all idiots. <laughs> okay. Um, and the series opens with the preacher, like, I don't know how he tells them or, like, how he explains this, but he apparently, like, leaves the bunker on the regular and uh, the police captured him because he was acting weird at Walmart. <laughs> Which is like the description of everyone I've ever seen anywhere near a Walmart. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they get rescued. They go on like one of those like Good Morning America shows. They get like fundraised from like the internet. People are like, holy shit, you need some money. You've been in there for like 15 years and you only have a middle school education. Um, and Kimmy, who is like one of those ladies, is like, you know what? I can't go back to my hometown because if I do that, everybody will always see me as a victim. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do, worst idea ever, is start my life right now in New York City. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, 
so like a lot of crazy shit happens in the first episode but it's it's funny there's sometimes when I'm uncomfortable because I have trouble with comedy but like it's funny and enjoyable and like you know makes fun of the, the terribleness that is New York City I that almost makes me want to watch that like I think you would like it like just the moment where she is like getting her apartment and like what her bedroom is and how happy she is with it I was just like, ah, oh, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Separately, on the same topic, if you guys have never gone on the internet and researched the worst room, it's a Tumblr, <laughs> and it's ba- and it usually runs real real estate pictures from Craigslist ads in New York. You are really missing out on some tremendous gold. It That's will make basically- you it will make you grateful for whatever quote unquote suburban hellhole you've been raised in the lap of luxury in. <laughs> Yeah, Friends is not real life. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, that may be one I'll have to check out. Uh, And we're staying on you, MK, because we need to talk about the very important, very accurate show that you've been watching in spite of God, man, and reason. This is the thing where I'm like, this is so terrible, and I need to know, like, does it get worse? And of course it gets worse. (laughs) Like, what? How could CSI Cyber not get worse? (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. Tell me whether or not you agree on this with me, MK. Or is it just us? Is it just the early millennials who like hear the word cyber and literally only think of cyber sex? Oh my god, that's literally all I can think of. And I'm pretty sure that like old people are just like that means the internet and technology. Right? And I'm like, no. that's like ten year old me sexting with like a fifty year old man in a chat room on my like fourteen four internet connection yeah because that's literally the only definition i have of it because cyber means nothing on its own and you only use it alone when you mean cyber sex like other things like cyber security is like you know like these are words that are words that have cyber attached to them but they are not alone people don't like say cyber security typically they say like internet security or like digital like nobody says cyber unless they're talking about i cybered that dude yeah, okay, good. Because I was like, am I, am I like a raging pervert who is alone on this? But it, it is literally the only reference I have for that word. Yeah, this is just like the magic tone deafness of the people who produced this show. But, oh my god, so many reasons. They so, had not one um, 90s kid on that writing staff. Yeah, big time. They need anybody who is computer literate. This is like, <laughs> listen, I've been rewatching all of Murder, She Wrote, and... This is like a small sidebar, but I promise it's related. Jessica Fletcher has like a computer that she writes on from like the second season onwards, but literally like nine seasons later, they still don't know how computers work on the show, proving that like, while Jessica Fletcher has a computer, none of the people who wrote Murder, She Wrote had computers, (laughs) which is amazing. Good, good. Anyway, CSI Cyber is like that. So... Uh, the first episode, obviously, they did, like, very pilot style, whatever. There wasn't much of an intro. There was just, like, you know, this lady talking about how in the dark early days of the internet, she got hacked or something. You're like, I don't care. Uh, this week, because they're, like, I think really starting it, they open every episode with, like, a two-minute monologue about how, like, everything digital in your life is, like, a way that somebody could ruin your life, like, your internet banking or, like, obviously your nanny cam because of the pilot, or, like, like literally anything. Naturally. Right? They're just, like, 
hackers from the deep web are using it to like ruin your life and they could attack you at any moment and it could be anyone and they're faceless and I'm like wow this is just like watching a Fox News report like they opened <laughs> it like two minutes of like everything is the worst and I'm like that's not okay fine <laughs> I mean it's possible but like it's unlikely you're probably okay as long as you have a solid password don't don't be your parents anyways anyways the major plot point this week is that Dawson from Dawson's Creek is also a single dad, which didn't come up in the pilot. I guess they decided afterwards that, like, that should be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough, right? He's, he's a jock and a gamer and a nice guy and a single dad. Very important. Very important. They're like, hey, do you love Dawson from Dawson's Creek yet? And I was like, who? Oh, I guess they missed the point of Dawson's Creek, which was that, like, in the grand traditions of these shows, everyone liked Pacey better. <laughs> like, It's the How I Met Your Mother syndrome, right? It's like, nobody likes that main character. They like all these other people. Yeah. Well, also because yeah. the, be I mean, I love the Beak. Don't get me wrong. Like, I genuinely love James Vanderbeek. But, like, come on. Come on. He's playing a jock gamer single father who works on the CSI cyber squad. Oh, for the FBI, by the way. Oh, oh, wait, I... Yeah, I, it's not local law enforcement. It's like an FBI unit dedicated to cyber crime. Sure, whatever. And their leader is uh, one of the people from Numbers. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Anyways... Uh, so one of the, like, key things in the beginning is that Dawson's daughter has, like, made him a friendship bracelet and made him promise to basically never take it off ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, an internet terrorist dude, uh, basically takes all the, like, turns off all the brakes on a roller coaster, thus causing, like, one roller coaster car to crash into another roller coaster car, brutally injuring a lot of people and killing one. And he films it. And he uploads it to, like, a corner of the internet where people who like jizzing to other people being injured brutally or murdered hang out. So 4chan. Really essentially 4chan, but on the, quote, deep web. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so there's, like, two levels of this forum that he, like, he's in the public version of the deep web forum, which I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he wants to get into the private one. So he's, like, trying to prove himself by, like, doing crazy shit. But the greatest thing is, like, the way that they get to that conclusion is they're like, he filmed it from within 60 feet or, like, 60 yards of the roller coaster. And they're like, that means that he's a fetishist because the internet is full of fetishists. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, personally, if I had, like, set up a roller coaster car to crash into another roller coaster car and filmed it up close and personal, it would be because I wanted to see a specific person die. Right, or, like, I was just a murderer, not necessarily a fetishist. Right, but they're, like, immediately, like, fetishist, we have to go to the internet, and you're like, oh, okay, CSI Sandra, you do you. MK, let's, let's agree that both <laughs> you and I know more about crime solving than CSI Cyber does, though. 100%. We could rewrite this show and it would be great, but we would have to rename it because if we wrote a show called CSI Cyber, it would literally just be about cyber sex. It would be, and I'm guessing that it would do a lot better. Although, I mean, I'm sure the show is doing fine. It's part of the CSI cadre. Uh, I assume so. I don't want to know the numbers because it's really depressing. 
upsets me that this is probably doing well. Uh, anyway, so they go through a bunch of like deep web bullshit, whatever. And then at the end of the episode, like the last half, here's the thing. Let's say you're writing a show about like cybercrime. You have to make cybercrime exciting, which means you have to make people typing on laptops exciting. Right. And not everything can be that Hugh Jackman movie where he's like super sexy and typing on like eight screens at once. Right. Sure. It, it can't all be like Hugh Jackman getting a blowjob while hacking something. Sorry. So what they decided to do this week is the last thing that this, like, weird internet fetishist guy is going to do is cause a subway car to, like, crash at the end of the line, killing everybody on it in rush hour in Boston. Because that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And he's going to film it, obviously, so that he can, like, get into this club. (laughs) This show's the worst. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, so what they do is they have the FBI agents, like, with, I guess, mobile Wi-Fi hotspots, like, driving around Boston, trying to, like, beat the subway car through the stops, while trying to, like, hack it from their cars. Bro, you have to stop watching this show. Yeah, yeah, I do. Anyways, James Vanderbeek, a.k.a. Dawson, uses a coat hanger? And his daughter's friendship bracelet in order to, like, get the thing off the subway car and, like, destroy it. And at the end of the episode, he's, like, reunited with his daughter because he hasn't seen her in a couple days or something. And he's like, oh, you helped save all these people in Boston. She's like, really, Daddy? I'll make you a new one. He's like, thanks. And that's, like, most of the episode. I, okay. New rule. We are never talking about CSI Cyber again. Thank you. Okay, you're you're liberated. Thank you. I did it for you. I did it for you. No, no, you didn't. Nobody asked you to. Nobody wanted you to. This is a choice you made on your own. You have to live with that. Somebody had to do it so the rest of the internet didn't have to. No, that is not at all what happened there. That's like a service this podcast provides. This is an unwanted service that you provided to the podcast. You watch K dramas. I do like, watch K dramas, and that's actually that's actually a good transition point because I'm going to talk about K dramas. So if you follow me on Twitter at all, I pray to God that you don't because your lives are worth more than that. Um, you probably saw that over the course of the last week, week and a half, I had like basically a total meltdown over um, a K drama that actually wrapped up earlier this year, but I finally got around to watching very recently called healer it is amazing it's 20 episodes it is pure like spy techno adventure if you liked alias i feel like this is the type of show that you would be into it's basically about um a guy named healer who is a quote night courier but in reality what it is is that you give him assignments anything below murder he'll do if you want him to quote unquote get something for you he will make that happen and that sometimes involves breaking into high-tech facilities and all this other stuff and as the show progresses you find out that there is like a deep mystery about how he became healer what his personal history is and what his entanglement with these other people are and it's a really darling romance the lead actor plays like three different versions of himself which are hilarious super hilarious um basically everyone in the show is great 
Um, Waldorf and I essentially like lost an entire weekend watching all of Healer. Like we just marathoned it. And to give you guys some background, when Healer was originally on during its actual runtime, I had watched the first episode. Specifically, I'd watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode. And I had to stop because at about the 20 minute mark was the first big fight sequence. And I was like, I have to stop watching this right now because this guy has already parkoured his way through the soul subway system and it is so cool. And if I keep going, I'm going to marathon this alone. And I have a new rule where I refuse to marathon K-dramas alone. So essentially I waited until Waldorf was on vacation and then I kneecapped her and was like, you're coming on this journey of discovery with me. You have no choice. It was really fun. I highly recommend you guys check it out. Separately, I think that there's like a small second wave of people who partially because of me are starting to watch um, When the Moon Embraces the Sun. I apologize in advance for you guys having made that decision. And I really hope that you stocked up on water and tissues because you will become rapidly dehydrated and need those very soon. Um, at around like, I don't know, there's an episode where like a little boy screams, but that's my princess. You should note that as the point you will start crying and then you will just keep crying for the rest of the series. <laughs> that's like episode four or something like that. And there's like 24 episodes. Wait a second. <laughs> I, I've been enjoying your Tumblr posts, which are like one, either like you embarrassing and like essentially tweet shaming Waldorf. <laughs> Or the two, like, Canadian lesbian anons from the East Coast, who I assume are in, like, Atlantic Canada, because they said there's a wall of ice right now, who are like, you know what, we're trapped, because, like, Eastern Canada is basically buried. We might as well, like, cry buckets of tears while watching K-dramas, and I was like, no! I know, it's like, it's Better. literally the worst life decision ever, but, like, lesbian anon and lesbian anon's girlfriend, like, way to go for it. It's true, which is, you know, you're, you're, you're tied to that fandom forever, MK. I know, it's fine. I'm happy with what I've done. Tied tightly to that fandom forever. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, so the last topic we kind of wanted to hit in this portion of the show was, hey, I feel like, do you, do you feel like maybe like every single week we record this, there's going to be a piece about how the fourth wall is falling apart around us? It's because we're getting old. It, it is because we're getting old. But I also feel it's... I, I really think that fandom is losing some of its cult status. Which is, like, sad for me. Because I really liked our little secret club. And, like, if somebody was like, where are you going this weekend? Aren't you going on vacation? I'd be like, yes, I'm going to a media conference in America. I'll be back Tuesday. <laughs> I can't say that anymore. Now people are like... Oh yeah, which one? Tell me about it. Is it like a fan convention? I'm like, fuck you! It's true. It's true. Like, I feel like the curtain has really been drawn back on fandom. And it, you, it, so the, it, it was one thing when the incursions were from like academia, right? Because like, as fandom has like nerds, nerds go to grad school, grad school people want to study something that they like, they start doing academic fandom studies, which like, we've discussed at length. Everyone knows my opinions on it, so there's no need to reprise it. 
But so I sort of like anticipated that happening. But this, I don't know. I just like would not have expected like the level of exposure that fandom has experienced just in the last two or three years. Well, I mean, you have to remember that like one of the problems is things like, uh, I hate to say this, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. Right? Like you take something like Twilight, which was huge and had a crazy fandom, and then you take somebody's fanfic of it, which also became huge and got its own crazy like mainstream fandom. And I just, that post that goes around on Tumblr where, like, some newspaper or whatever wrote an article that was like, oh my god, Fifty Shades of Grey is basically Twilight without vampires, and somebody else pasted in the gif from Frozen that is just like, I'm gonna tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like... To give, you, to give you guys some context, what we're referring to is that New York Magazine, specifically their Vulture piece, um, which is all about culture and media, ran a giant, I don't know, like a giant special section about fan fiction. Um, specifically, in addition to talking about fan fiction and major fandoms, which included stuff like uh, One Direction and things like that, they also provided a quote-unquote fanfic syllabus primer with, like, ten major fics across fandoms that included stuff like the Shoebox Project and Esperanza's Written by the Victors and I think Wordstring's um, Sherlock series, which the name of which I can't quite recall at the moment. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... This. this is like ultra horrifying to me yeah i mean and before we were recorded i asked mk had she read it or had she looked at it and she was like no on purpose not and i totally understand why like i had to skim it like it was really it was a really uncomfortable read for me and i and it wasn't written in a way that was like mocking or cruel but it was still really uncomfortable it's always uncomfortable. I don't care who writes it. I don't care how they write it. It's still going to be uncomfortable and you can't make everybody happy. But like, also I just, when I think about that, I just think about my mom reading it and my mom, you know, is, is the target audience of CSI cyber believes that everybody on the internet is a pedophile. And that even though I'm like 30 years old, they all want to like pedophile me. Yeah. Your mom still probably thinks I am a pedophile. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're older than me. A little bit. A little bit older than you. But yeah, like, imagine, like, my mom reading that article. I can't. I mean, the other thing that someone else pointed out that I didn't notice specifically as I was reading it, but, like, makes sense in retrospect, is that a lot of their fandom representation or their sort of stats and representation come from Wattpad. Oh, Wattpad is terrible. It's a Toronto startup that basically profits off of not quite fan fiction and sometimes yes fan fiction but it's again because it's for profit you have to imagine uh there are certain rules around it that kind of thing it's complicated yeah it's also i think that it's also primarily used by i would say like a younger portion of fandom like a younger and slightly different um strain of fandom and i think like the predominant thing on wattpad it has to be one direction and like k-pop fan fiction (laughs) There's a weird thing where I almost feel like the target audience for Wattpad is people who, like, discovered fanfiction.net and are, like, on the pit and don't know that it's called the pit and, like, weren't around for the Great Purge and stuff. And then were like, oh, hey, Wattpad, that has, like, a way better interface and went straight from the pit to Wattpad without experiencing AO3. Yeah. Right? And I'm just like, no, there's better stuff out there. Like, stop. You can do better. 
Live your best life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that ultimately there's really not much to add to the conversation about this other than that this story exists, that that syllabus is out there, and that I think whether or not we like it, I definitely don't like it. The The magnifying lens is definitely on fandom. Yeah, I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. It's not... It's not something I can fight, but it's something that's definitely going to continue and increase over time. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I almost want to, like, revisit that question that I asked you the last time we were taping. Like, do you think this is going to change your fanish behavior at all? Because in the past, right, like, had you asked me that question, I would have been like, no, I don't necessarily think so. Like, just because, like, certain outsiders are kind of peering in doesn't mean that... I'm going to change the way that I do things, but I'm increasingly getting to the point where, like, I'm genuinely considering, like, okay, maybe I want to do things a little differently. Yeah, it makes me wonder if, like, uh, if I post Tumblr fic, maybe I will, like, delete it off Tumblr after, like, a period of time, put it on AO3, and, again, like, lock down my whole AO3 account to only other users. Which I know isn't, like, a huge barrier, but it is, like, a little bit of a barrier, yeah, I mean, at least they would be forced to, like, get an account before they could, you know. Right, like, it makes it a little more real on their half, rather than just, like, peering in and being like, tee-hee, it's like, oh, I have to actually, like, step into this pool in order yeah. to check this out. You have to be one of us before you can see it. I wouldn't call them one of us, but, like, you have to at least step into our territory. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a larger question. So, like, listeners, if you guys are starting to change your fanish behaviors or... If you're concerned or if you have any tips or tricks for how you're handling this, definitely let us know. I think it's an interesting developing topic and one which, like, actually is starting to cause me a little bit of anxiety. As if we didn't have enough anxiety already. I know, I know. But you know what? That's okay because we're about to go full fucking empire on this shit. So, guys, strap in. We're headed for some cookies nookie here. I'll see you next week. Hey guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I am joined this week by an illustrious crowd of awesome people, and we just survived the two-part Empire season finale. Barely and we're, survived. Barely survived, and we're all a little tipsy. It felt uh, like four, four years long. <laughs> every ten minutes we kept checking the clock, and we're like, how is there still so much more? Not in a bad way, more like... So oh, much has happened. So much has happened. All right, to introduce, to introduce the cast and crew, let's start with Zara. Hello. Hello. Zara, thanks for joining us. Then we have Mare. Hey. And then we have Tiffany, first timer. Hello. Hi. What's up, Tiffany? She uh, she is my, like, one Empire friend on Twitter, and I more or less, like, black bagged her into showing up for this, so everyone be nice. <laughs> and we're all currently drinking red wine out of plastic goblets in the shape of skulls. I think, you know, if, if they had gold stems, I feel like they would be This perfect. would be, like, full no, Lucius Lion collection. <laughs> so... As I mentioned a second ago, the topic of this episode is Empire. It just wrapped up its season one finale. We literally just turned off the television five minutes ago. Mare, do you want to give us a super fast recap of what Empire is if somehow you've been living in a cave and missed <laughs> this phenomenon? Okay, I'm going to, yeah, the 30 second <laughs> recap of what Empire is about. Um, don't Please don't time me because I'm not actually going to succeed. Um, <laughs> so basically, you have Lucius Lyon, who is the patriarch Head of his family with three sons, um, Jamal, Jamal, Hakeem, and Andre. And, and Andre. Um, Andre is the oldest. Jamal is the middle child. Hakeem is the youngest. 
and um, basically he's the head of a major successful label. He came up as a huge successful rap artist, and now he has this empire, and um, and a music company called Empire. And basically, at the beginning of the show, his ex-wife Cookie, who's the mother of his children, um, gets out of prison for serving 17 years um, for basically a. I don't know. Like it was a drug bust, and she took bust. the fall for basically, him. Basically, like um, um, basically the the she took the fall for the drug interaction that uh, gave him the money to start the company, and she refused to roll over on them and spent seventeen years in prison while her kids grew up. And so, the very beginning of the show, she walks out of prison, and essentially at the same time that Lucius finds out that he uh, is dying of ALS and has, you know, a limited time to live. And so in a very Shakespearean fashion, um, very King Lear, he basically decides he wants to pick who is going to be the successor to his company. Um, is it Andre, who is his oldest son, NBA child with no musical talent, kind of feels like a loner in his family, but also um, ha- is bipolar and has some, like, mental health issues that his family has never really helped him address. Who married a white lady, <laughs> thus betraying Lucius forever. Right. Um, um, already the CFO of the company. Yes, who's the CFO of the company. Um, or is it Jamal, his middle child, who is a very kind of like, you know, John Legend, um, different sort of musical style than his father. Musical genius. Musical mm-hmm. genius. He's also gay, and his dad really wants nothing to do with that. Put him in a trash can. Put him in a trash can as a small child. Or is it going to go to Hakeem, who is the youngest, like, 18, 19-year-old, like, rising rap star who starts off as kind of an obnoxious shit and then really does grow on you pretty soon after that. He stays an obnoxious shit, but he but does also grow grows on, on, you. on you. Anyway, so the entire thing is basically Cookie is out of prison. She's stirring shit up. She wants her piece back. She wants to try to, like, reconnect with her kids and do what's right with them and also, like, start steering the company in the right direction. Lucius um, is basically making plans for, like, who's going to get his empire and playing his children off of each other. Um, his girlfriend, Anika also has, like, other things going on. And basically, it's this giant family drama um, sort of happening against the backdrop of their um, company eventually going public, which is sort of the... Over- I would say, like, the only arc of the show is, is the, the IPO. Company, is the company is ultimately moving toward an IPO. Um, so they're going to be publicly traded. That Everyone's going to make a lot of money. Uh, it's actual, like, grasp of how this shit actually works is a little no. tenuous, but who gives a crap? I don't know. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. So basically, at, and at the end of this last episode, the IPO finally happened, only, of course... Shit didn't go as planned. No, that uh, IPO went worse than the Facebook IPO. Yeah. In case you guys are actually curious, the Wall Street Journal did do a series of um, posts about how realistic is Empire's IPO being depicted on the oh show. Oh if God, you guys want to like unrealistic. go like deep finance nerd, they're there for you. Yeah. No, beautiful. And so basically what you have here is a family drama, a black family drama that basically has a lot of extremely soapy beats to it. I so think it's, its narrative style is extremely, very, very much influenced by soaps. Um, and Lee Daniels has uh, likened it to Black Dallas. Black Dallas, yes. Dark, Black Dynasty. Black Dynasty. Um, I think it has a little bit of, like, you know, there, there's there's a lot it's going a on. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, Black Dynasty, it's very, very much in that kind of vein. There's a lot of, oh, my God... Yeah, moments. we basically spent the last two hours like screaming, screaming every five minutes, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> and I will be including "Stay Tuned" for the end of this episode because after like the closing music, I have like a great audio clip from part of <laughs> tonight's viewing to share with you guys. Yeah. So okay, that's a really good. Thank you very much, Mayor. Quick intro to it, and obviously, like four hundred million things happened this season, but. Spoiler alert, everyone. We are talking about the season finale starting now. What the fuck? (laughs) What the actual fuck? 
I, I feel like here's the thing. What's interesting so many about, people are dead. <laughs> you know what I can actually. So many people are killing other people. And they are all on the New York Stock Exchange board together. <laughs> <laughs> because the family that rings the NYSE bell together <laughs> kills together, stays together, and covers up murders together. together apparently, real family blackmails <laughs> and betrays real family. That's yeah, that's true. That's true. What I, I feel like is interesting though is like the the finale felt like a very much more like turbo loaded version of the entire season. Yes, where yeah. everything on the show happened so quickly. Um, even it's 13 episodes, right? Yeah. 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 So like, and it honestly felt like it could have been a 22 episode, like traditional season length with the amount of things that happen. Yeah. Um, and like the entire thing has been very like, oh, this is, a, this is like a plot point and you kind of forget about it. Oh my God, holy crap, something is happening. But then you kind of forget about it and just kind of like keeps bumping along the zoop, next one. Zoop, like, you know, zoop. yeah. There's over, no resting over the, period. There's no resting period. Oh, no. And honestly, like this is sort all. of, and I think this especially was where it felt to me like it was just like, <laughs> like. <laughs> How much happened in the first, like, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, but I think 12 minutes was the first part where I was like, guys, it's only been 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Andre saw the church, and in the 15 he found Jesus. Later, yeah. He was, like, already, like, you know, putting out Bibles on the pews. <laughs> <laughs> He was already Brother Andre. And of course, we had, we had a very, very important moment with uh, with Cookie and Derek Luke on... It was important for us all. It was exactly. very, very important. Fucking I'm glad. romantically had a bearskin run. Yes. Yes. They had multiple bearskins. Yes. Multiple first runs. It was all we could have dreamed of. And I'm glad that was the one thing they took their time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cookie they lingered. Des- they lingered. Yes, they lingered on Cookie that. deserves all the bearskins and all of the Derek Lukes mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. I just, Even with the part. Even yeah. with the part. I mean, I, I'm going like, to raise thing. one to the part because the part. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Cheers. You know yeah, what? It's a part. bold move. He's committed to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So th- that actually, like, brings up an interesting thing. Like, the pace of this show is incredible. And I think that's part of the reason that, like, it is really easy to, like, become extremely obsessed with this show mm-hmm. because there's never a slow moment, right? There's never a slow moment. There's never a slow episode because there's always, like, 14 things happening at once and it blows past you so quickly. And for the most part, I've really enjoyed that about the series, even though there are parts of the season where it's like, oh, she hired a hit on some. We don't care about that anymore. There's a lot of stuff happening right. now. Where is the fallout for that? Yeah, never no fallout. <laughs> None fallout. But then, like, I feel like this these two episodes in particular, especially the first part of the two-parter, felt like just Lee Daniels, Danny Strong, and whoever was editing just, like, got fucked up. And we're like, <laughs> throw it all in! Throw it all It has to be in here for the second yep. part to make sense. Because yeah. it was cut so quickly, and Mary, you compared it to the way soap operas are cut, and I think it that's so true. It absolutely feel, felt like very soap opera to me. And, like, the thing about a soap opera is that these sort of very serial cliffhanger narrative narrative uh, structure it's not even really like a structure it's more like bam 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 we're gonna pick up these threads and then we're gonna forget about them for a week and then we're gonna pick up another like another plot line it's gonna come up it's gonna yeah. like rise to it's extremely it, it will accelerate quickly really <laughs> quickly mm-hmm. and then boom we're gonna forget about it we're gonna move on to the next one and then that one's gonna go crazy and then we're gonna go to this plot point that's gonna go crazy and you just kind of keep like pulling rabbits out of your hat and like you never really like you're resolve so anything. busy hustling that you don't notice yeah, you never yes. resolve anything and you just keep tuning in week after week you know five days a week for whatever um, and it felt very much like that. And I think also one thing that is very soap opera about it is the way in which, like, sort of the narrative twists and turns definitely um, take precedent over any sort of uh, 
I don't like character yeah. like, consistency mm-hmm. and like that and I, I could see like some of you guys I felt like were a little bothered by it and I was just like no this is sort of how this plot arc is going <laughs> like it has nothing to do with like whether I actually think that like Jamal would really do this that's not the point that's just this arc and like we're, already, we're on this train and it's already left the station <laughs> it's too late we just it's gotta like, ride gotta together die to go. together this how this is gonna go and that just felt like extremely it reminded me of being in like seventh grade and watching Guiding Light obsessively and like just like eating that <laughs> shit up with a spoon Mine was, mine was General Hospital. I still watch General Hospital. Yeah. Is Sonny still alive somehow? Unfortunately, yes. Are he and Carly still together? No. No. <laughs> Good. Just checking. Just checking. So basically, yeah, it was yes. Crazy. It was crazy. It was completely, like, bug-fucking-sane. But the question I want to direct to you, Zara, is how do you feel about the configuration of the three brothers at the end of this first season? Um, I'm worried about them. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I'm really, really worried about them. I mean, um, what we got with this episode was sort of a gigantic reversal of what we've been dealing with the whole season, um, which is um, uh, Jamal and Cookie together. um, Mm -hmm. And that's sort of been like the the one constant is like at the end of the episode, Jamal and Cookie are going to like come back together and like lick their wounds and plot something else. Or Cookie's going to plot something else and Jamal is going to get swept up along with it. (laughs) And, um, And, And be an angel. And be a total angel, too precious for this world. Right. And um, would you call him a cinnamon roll? <laughs> I'm um, already over that meme. <laughs> All right, so Mayor's over that meme, so we're going to yeah. drop it. But um, what, uh, as far as like the stuff with Jamal went, um, the finale being two episodes long, we kind of um, got a gigantic about face, um, yeah. where suddenly he's given all the validation he's ever wanted from his dad. And sort of um, tosses everyone else aside. To everyone else goes under the bus. Everyone else goes yeah. under the bus. And I'm, I mean, I don't really know how much tossing Jamal himself actually did because Lucius Lyon is a force of nature and he's the one who did it and handed out like poison presents and everything. <laughs> but um, it's Fucking just wrapped in black matte paper. Oh my god! Gold, you know, when we were when ribbon. we were watching that scene, we were like, nope, don't open it. <laughs> don't open the present. <laughs> You're not going to like it. And Becky, Becky was like one of her last acts as a. Oh yes, wrapping those presents absolutely. <laughs> right. And uh, when it was Jamal's turn, Mayor was like, on, like the Can you just imagine Becky having to call up a goldsmith to be like, I need you to like make a lion face with a wing. She wears She has a goldsmith on speed dial. She does this all the time. They're like, okay, what do you want? I want you to make me a fucking scepter, but it's got to have, like, a lion head. There's going to be a really big diamond in in its mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it was just uh, kind of uh, very, very... Because we've seen Jamal, like, distrust Lucius this entire season with very good reason, because Lucius Mm -hmm. is terrifying and always a liar. And um, this time we sort of see Jamal for the first time, like, really throw away his morals and, like, grab on to Lucius's morals because it's really true that the only way Lucius will ever love anyone, even for a second, is if they're doing things his way. Um, so Jamal kind of, like, hops on that wagon and um, Hakeem and Andre are sort of, like, left-going WTF. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was kind of a weird moment, actually, when they were all sort of, like, in the office, like, planning things, and um, Hakeem was like, you know, what about my album? And Jamal was like, yeah, we're, we're gonna do it your way, except for this, and except for that, and except for this other thing, and we were all like, wait, <laughs> Jamal, no, he's drunk the Kool-Aid, this is terrible. <laughs> um, but it was a really weird moment to see, because the way that the brothers kind of had divvied themselves previously, right, mm-hmm. was that Andre was very apart from, of the, of the trio, Andre was very much, like, on his own, because mm-hmm. he doesn't do music, 
He right? doesn't really fit in with the he rest of the family. He doesn't fit in with yeah. the rest of the family, right? And he, he performs these functions that are really, really important, but they're not, since they're not understood by the rest of the family. They appear invisible. Yeah. They're, yes. they're not showy enough. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so that last... He gets no regard. And in the end, when he's himself. configured with Hakeem for the first time, really, yeah. that was mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah. Tiffany, I, mean, I don't think thoughts? we've ever seen them, like, together. Yeah. Well, like, I don't think we've ever seen... A, uh, Dre and Hakeem alone yeah, together. Yeah, Hakeem, Andre saw, like, seen at all, really. Well, I think what's actually interesting, I feel like the first, the only, like, major scene that I can remember from this entire season is the one where Dre is having the breakdown in the elevator. Which was amazing. Which yes. was amazing. I and I also scene. have to, like, shout out to um, Jesse Smollett for, like, that suddenly you realize that he's, like, he's been crying yep. while mm-hmm. he's been trying to talk his brother off the ledge. Mm-hmm. And, like... The because line, exactly the line, happening. like fool. This is the part where you sing. Like that's the part where I started making like the keening noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and, yeah. And like yeah. that, that scene is like is is actually maybe one of my definitely my top one of my top five favorite moments of that entire season. But that's one of the only times where I feel like you honestly got like the three of them together yes. on the mm-hmm. same page, looking out for each other, and nobody's trying to like outplay one another mm-hmm. or like you know, um, you know, beat each beat one of the other ones at this game that Lucius has basically set out for them where he's pitting them all against each other. And, uh... Well, for a second in that scene, it was, like, everything's about Lucius all the time. And for a second in that elevator, it was just about the brothers. And Lucius, like, obviously there's this sort of, like, looming specter of him, like, when they get out of the elevator, like, what the fuck is everyone gonna do? Yeah. But for that moment, it wasn't about him, and that was when they were able to sort of, like, come together and actually be brothers. But that... Sorry. I was gonna say, it was nice to see... Yeah all three of them together because we've always seen like Hakeem and Jamal together mm-hmm. yeah. and we've that's seen that's always their... been lovely yes and they have a great relationship and we've they seen bring their out, bond they bring out kind of like the best in, e- yeah. best in each other or like definitely the best in Hakeem if you know yes. <laughs> and it's his only Absolutely. redeeming factor his love Fuck for Hakeem. Jamal yeah right but that was the first time I actually believe Andre was their brother yeah, yeah. because anytime we've seen Andre and like connected to the two of them is him trying to play them against each other. Yeah. Right. Or him trying to destroy them. Or right. the, those know. few scenes where he's been like the puppy in the rain like looking in the window at the rest of his family all recording <laughs> oh, things yes. together. <laughs> and which happened like I think twice in a row. Yes. And it was one episode. Anytime they kept <laughs> happening <laughs> and he was just like standing in the back like lurking where no one could see him. Like, oh, And they were all like well we're all a family and he's like what about me? But like sad yes. and brooding and horrible. But I think that that scene like the elevator scene particularly made this finale even worse for me because you saw how good they are when they mm-hmm. are brothers to each other yeah. and how much they can love each other and you get like all these little flashes of the history they must have had where like Dre had to Run protect his little brother yeah. so mm-hmm. much and like how he sang to them and he doesn't mm-hmm. sing anymore but like that this thing that they share and like now there's n- like you clearly see that if they all three could somehow work together they would be amazing mm-hmm. but that Lucius has basically set it up so that it's impossible and that's how we get the finale mm-hmm. in the format that we get the finale and oh I was gonna say it's also kind of especially alarming just because like before the finale we've seen each of them have a moment where they sort of got their head above water and were like no absolutely not we're done with Lucius like yeah. this is insane yeah. I can't live this way and we had a little and, like, bit of you that un- you understand like like I recognize how fucked up this man is and he's never right. going to give me what I want and I have to stop playing this game and then like exactly oh, like it's it's every, every single bit of approval he has comes with a really really terrible price tag mm-hmm. you know so we saw um, at the very beginning of the finale we saw you know Dre and his finding Jesus and everything and but I mean like we, we all we all <laughs> I was honestly kind of 
kind of excited for yeah. him to find Jesus. I think Jesus yeah. would be better than Lucius. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. but, I mean, Somewhere yeah. to hitch your wagon to, like oh, completely. Yeah. Way less harmful. Jesus, Christ, all the way. <laughs> you know, just like hang out in church with Jennifer Hudson will be fine. Right. Yeah. And like, but I mean, it, it, there was really we were kind of laughing about it as the show was going on. But like, really, there was a moment where he was yeah. like, "No, this is where I'm staying. You are toxic and horrible. Let's never do this again." And we were all like, "You know, that's a really good idea. Like, you are toxic and horrible. <laughs> this is completely terrible." And like, Jamal keeps trying to do that and yeah. um, Hakeem had a moment where he was trying to do that and he was running to a mob guy whose name I can rem- never remember Beretti Beretti thank you yeah. um, and Judd so, Nelson looking pretty busted yeah pretty <laughs> yeah a little grim a little grim there but we had those moments for all of them in the last episode or the very beginning of the finale where you could sort of see them all like realizing that like nothing they ever do for Lucius is going to be enough yeah and then the yeah. finale was kind of like well it's too late let's drag you down again so I think it's more sad for uh, Hakeem because he's never had to Realize that um, that Lucius is bad for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Andre has always been shut out. Once, once he, I, I feel like once Lucius realized that Andre had no musical ability, he was done in the music side. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah, did business. And Jamal has always had the gay thing that's pushing him out. Mm-hmm. So Hakeem has always been his little prince, his little yeah. golden boy. Mm-hmm. And like the one time he doesn't do something, he realizes, oh yeah, dad's awful. This, this, the love of my father is extremely conditional yep. and based yeah. on me doing exactly what he wants and serving him and his ultimate yeah. goals. And it's and also if I don't, if I don't completely toe the line or if any part of my life, image as yeah. well. like my girlfriends, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, all of that shit, anything that I want that he doesn't want for me, as soon as I try to have something like that. I'm going to basically be blackballed and I'm going to be just in the same position as each of my brothers has been in turn. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Hakeem's situation I think is more distressing because Andre, like despite all of his business or whatever, like I think that he actually is smart, mature and savvy enough to find some way to ballast himself. And Jamal clearly also has like that strength of character somewhere inside. Whereas I genuinely think like Hakeem is the least equipped to live in the context of like being on the outs with Lucius Lyon. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I will say, too, like, Andre always gets so much shit from his dad specifically for having Rhonda, a white woman, as his wife. But because she's never been accepted into the Lucius Lyon family, he does always have someone whose interest is always in him alone. Yes. Yes. And that's not something that anyone else who is involved with Lucius has. Like, Rhonda is about Dre and Dre's well-being and their money and their success. the outsider status is ultimately might be what protects him from being... Because yeah. he's never had, like, the love of his father. And I think by this point, you kind of get the feeling that he has, like, let that ship sail as much as you possibly ever can. Yeah. And, yeah. like, at least, like, some part of his brain. Like, maybe not all the way down, because you're probably never going to let that go, yeah. but... You know, I especially think he... like once he's actually seen his dad hit on Jennifer Hudson in church, like there really is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like you, like and how I don't know eating grin that he right? shot him over her shoulder. Like I don't know, like how much things. lower you necessarily can get, but like yeah. I'm sure Lucius Lyon can find a way. But like I think that was definitely, if you'll forgive me, a come to Jesus moment where he was like, okay, like there's literally there's no redeeming this guy. That dude yeah. is fucking Satan. Like whatever, yes. whatever I love, he is going to destroy, which yes. is true for literally everybody in Lucius's life. So well, Satan, Cookie uh, had that great line, like you know, hell wants his devil back, and mm-hmm. Lucius yeah. is on his way. Lucius is Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, actually, this is a really good point for us to deviate from the brothers and talk a little bit about Lucius and Cookie because we walked into the season finale with the premise that Lucius was dying of ALS and that part of the reason that so much stuff was moving was because he was dying and everyone was scrambling before he dies and he's trying to make all these decisions. Mm-hmm. We find out in sort of like the weirdest, most like odd, like odd, like, yeah, let's like throw away say. moment. Yeah. yeah, that he was misdiagnosed and he has something that I don't remember what it's called. 
it's treatable and it's not fatal, that fuck is never... He's never gonna die. Fucking dying. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no. But he does get fucked up on some sleeping pills or whatever, confesses to the murder of Bunky, God rest his soul. Oh my god. And then Cookie <laughs> tries to smother him with a pillow. We were cheering, though, we in this were. room. We were like, yes, do it, though. Do it. <laughs> I, also, I also have to say one of my favorite moments from that finale was the very, like, extreme... Kind of, it felt very Godfather to me, where he gives he gives everyone a present after this has happened, and like in cookies is a tiny silk pillow because he knows exactly what she tried he, she tried to do to him, which yes. is namely smother him with the <laughs> pillow. Smother him with the pillow. Uh, loved it. <laughs> so Super good. Great. I totally called it. I want all the credit. I was like, yes, it's gonna be a pillow in the box. He's gonna know. Oh, horrible. I just. He's never... So basically, we end the season finale with the feds having dragged him off for the murder of Bunky. Mm-hmm. Well, the fed plotline that Cookie was involved in that was more up in the front half of the season. And Unrelated to this up, one. Yeah. And got... Yeah, so they, they kind of rope her back in because they're like, you need to snitch on this thing now. <laughs> and she... So they're trying to make her snitch on Lucius. For killing mm-hmm. Bunky. She and she do it. doesn't want to do it because she's already... She didn't already, do it before. She's not going to do it again. Yeah. yeah. She's already sort of like experienced this whole thing. She doesn't want anything to do with it. And I think that Cookie is like... I think Cookie knows Lucius better than anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And she has the most rational fearfulness and wariness about what he might do and I think she's too smart to do that but her sons are not so the implication at the end of the episode as Lucius is being hauled off for Bunky's murder is that Andre and Hakeem are the idiots who orchestrated this thing and the like our closing scene that mirrors like the first one of the times that we see um, Cookie is him sitting in a jail cell or standing there terrifyingly in front of the bars (laughs) swearing hellish vengeance on everyone Yeah, he that's like like Hannibal Lecter in jail. Yeah. Like in terms of like that person should be behind bars. Yeah. I hope they never get out of there. Right. Oh Are bars God. enough? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, it just felt like as I I think I've said before, he would even scare like J.R. Ewing from Dallas. <laughs> J.R. Ewing is like the ultimate of like the so scary soapy right. like devilish characters and even Lucius would scare him. Because of all his tactics, mm-hmm. and I do, I do like the role reversal of like he's in the out, he's on the outside now, he's in jail, and there's Cookie in his mansion, right, just chilling, <laughs> right, yeah, with all in the, her lingerie, well, yes. but she apparently like keeps there anyway because we've seen her after her oh, yeah, after they hooked sleep up. together, yeah, she also has some lingerie at his just, house just because you know, like you do, yeah. Just Either that or she's just like wearing Anika shit that she did not have Portia throw out on the front <laughs> row, right. which okay. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. But I, I, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with Lucius now that he's not dying. Yeah. yeah. He knows that they're all out to get him for sure and that they will go to these to these. Except well, like the Like the last time he thought they were out to get him was when Andre and Vernon were scheming to get, you know, Andre yeah. named mm-hmm. like temporary CEO. Right. And he was just like, oh, you're trying to mess with me. I'm going to like, you know, shut you down. Yeah. Now he knows for sure they were not just going to take his company with him, they're taking his freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, well, although so what he does I, not so know now, because he he's dependent on Vernon so much in the past, what he does not know is that Vernon's Vernon dead. Well, I'm saying, and in prison, uh, He also Lucius, thinks Cookie did it and Cookie did not do it. Yes. Yes. He doesn't realize that his sons were the ones yeah. that did I'm saying, and in, prison, uh, in prison, Lucius is a dangerous Lucius. He has nothing to lose anymore. I mean, all Lucius is a dangerous well, Lucius, all Lucius, but yes. He's even more dangerous now. Yeah. Because he's coming back for revenge. Before, he's not like, he's just like, I'm just doing stuff. 
I'm yeah. going to screw you over to do stuff. So, so now he's coming back to get With a you. real purpose. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, though, what that did kind of remind me of is... um. <laughs> In the Avengers, when they walk Loki onto the, <laughs> onto the helicarrier, and when you're like, "Oh no!" But he wants to be here. Like this is not good. He shouldn't. We don't want. No, this he is has bad. All the power. You know, <laughs> no matter what you do, he's winning. And I kind of felt that way with with Lucius at the end because, like, what what can really like his his reach extends so far yes. that uh, I'm just like I can already imagine like the beginning of next season with him just like pulling strings from jail like I don't know who he'll get in touch with or what kind of havoc he will wreak but like I am certain there's going to be some nonsense right away I just need Black Rambo to be involved <laughs> yes. in this capacity just because like wow <laughs> Black like, Rambo just so that I can that keep name? saying the words Black Rambo <laughs> that was the name they passed out on rap name day I don't know. right I don't know. I'd say I was actually more impressed by that that scene than I expected because at first when uh, Jamal started seeing it, I was like, I don't really know like how intense this is necessarily be, even given how like lame Black Rambo's flow was. <laughs> but it was really. It was. Bad. I mean, it was. Where it was unfortunate. Going? Yeah, I couldn't. Like, fine, good Black Rambo, you do you. But like, I mean, just... good Black Rambo, you do you. I want that cross stitched on something immediately. But like Jesse Smollett really pulled it out, though. Like I would, like I did not expect a singing response in a rap battle to actually like Shut down pull the, the house down that way. Yeah, yeah, but he was amazing. But actually, that's a really good thing that we that we should talk about. Tiffany, do you want to talk a little bit about the other driving force behind the show, which is the music? Oh, the music's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Thank God for Tim Wynn. That's yes. I know. Because I this could have gone... That. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This could have gone Cheers. so... Cheers. <laughs> this could have gone so badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it could have been really, really cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like, every song could have been like, ugh. But every episode, there's like... Most of the songs, all the songs, I'm like, that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. No apologies. Yeah. I'm like, drip drop, I hate myself. No, oh, no. Okay. So catchy. catchy. It is so, so catchy. <laughs> no, Literally, like, I there's just... no one who has watched that show who has not been like, drip... Drop. Drip, 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 drop. Like, <laughs> we're all there. We're literally all there. I was, I was talking to coworkers about it today, before this, about the show, and then about, like, what music we had downloaded, and my coworker, Jeff, was like, wait, did you actually download Drip Drop? And I was like, I don't need to download Drip Drop. I know in my how head it goes. All the damn time. I know how that song goes. No more soundtrack. Yeah. And, and, and every single, like, there's, what, ten versions of You're So Beautiful? There yeah. are. Mm-hmm. It's, hard, it's really hard to them, find which one you want. They're but they're all, all great. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. all great. And I've, like, I've had no consequences on repeat. Like, yeah. I'm like Conqueror, no regrets at all. Conqueror, also oh, that's sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Conqueror. Yeah, no they're just yeah, yeah. But it's so great because like clearly when they were casting, they found people who were genuine musical talents, mm-hmm. right? Like so we'll talk about I'll, you know what? I'll let Tiffany talk about Jesse Smollett, but I'm going to talk about Hakeem, like the guy the kid Yes, I think is what he's credited. Yes. Yeah, like yes. whatever yes. like I I'm Bryce sorry. Gray. Is, yes. is his name Bryce Gray? Gray? Yeah, but his yeah. rap name is Yes. Yeah. He's actually like a young up and coming rapper and he is actually pretty he's tremendous. Oh, yeah. And this yeah. is he's his first real acting gig and like I have to give that kid kudos for somehow making me want to like punch his fucking face in every time because <laughs> that is actually talented that like I reflexively have a Pavlovian desire to like beat his ass with a broom <laughs> cookie style yeah. every time I see him and he's actually pretty fucking good especially when really... he's doing freestyle with Snoop <laughs> <laughs> but I will say too Which like words you never thought you would say uh, never Espe- up there with Black Rambo <laughs> right but also like especially at the beginning of the season when we kept we get um we kept getting so much sort of um 
you never really knew what you were going to get with Hakeem. Like, you never knew if he was going to, like, totally suck because he was completely unpredictable. Or if every once in a while he would yeah. pull something that was just completely great, usually in the company of Jamal. Mm-hmm. And just, like, major props to Yaz for, like... It's it's hard to Managing be good that. at being bad, yeah. you know? But I feel like he really... Yeah, he's okay. just really... So that's that's one of the singing brothers. And then there's Jesse, who's just amazing. Like, as you said in, while we're watching his falsetto, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just... And he has a, he has a contract with yes. what, Columbia, Columbia Records. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. He's part of the Smollett acting family. Yep. Damn. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful family. <laughs> he's, I just, all his, he wrote uh, You're So Beautiful for Gabriel Sibide. Oh, yeah, wow. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes. That's the best news I've heard yes. all day. And um, the song he performed, oh, I can't remember, when he was doing the uh, interview with Sway, the, the love song. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his own. Like he, I think he wrote most of these songs, and I just, he's just so talented. Mm-hmm. Like everything feels very natural. It doesn't feel like, look at me, I'm singing. I'm trying to like yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. an actor trying to sing. Yeah, he's a mm-hmm. singer acting. You know, that makes a lot. That's very true. And also, I think that the other element of this that I found like he's great. He's he's always been consistently tremendous at singing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in this episode, he like really brought the intensity to oh, a level yeah. that was unexpected. Like, he, like full on John Legend, but like hard fucking core. We had yes. a lot of acapella from him. Yeah. And I always get worried because I have a lot of skepticism about people singing quote unquote acapella on TV shows. Um, I have, I have a lot of I have a lot of bitterness about Glee. That's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. But I, I always sort of like reflexively go, oh no, when that's about to happen. But he, I mean, that scene with Lucius in, that, in their old house. So uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. It was very strange. <laughs> their faces were too close together. There was a lot of comfort. But like you could, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was not, it was, it was not what we wanted. No. But you could hear sort of like the, like, what that song was going to sound like. And um, when, in the finale, when he was performing at um, the big release party, at first, well, at first that song, I was like, this is not, I expect it to be bigger than it was. And they brought Patti LaBelle on, and I was like, oh, wait, I take back everything I said. There it is. Like, they just, they, ugh. Well, I I think what's also interesting in, in speaking of, like, the music, not only is it good, it really does make me as a musical theater nerd extremely happy because it does sell a lot of stuff um emotional arcs and things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it does that shorthand with the song and it does it really successfully Mm -hmm. like as awkward and weird as that um jamal lucius classic guitar (laughs) i don't really know close singing moments Uh basically what it was it was like they've never sung together before um, Lucius has never respected Jamal, and them writing the song together, singing together, was very much a sign of like their alliance that was basically what was going to play through for the rest of the entire finale. Mm-hmm. And you got that in that number. As, as weird as it was, I was like, I understand what you're doing. I wish it had been executed just a little differently, yeah. Yeah. but I see what you're doing. Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I was thinking about, uh, you brought up Glee, and I was thinking of the original songs I would hear in Glee. I, haven't, I stopped watching the season, so I don't know what they've done originally. But the original songs they did in Glee and the original songs they do here, the original songs on Glee were like, eh, it was musical TV. You yeah. Know, it, was, it fit that scene, kind of. The songs they do here, you could hear on the radio. Yeah. Like they all, like even though like, most of Jamal's stuff sounded like, Timberlake a little bit. It's a little mm-hmm. Timberlake tinge, mostly because of Timberland. 
but like uh, the Tiana stuff, mm-hmm. and like a slight Rihanna mix yeah. to it. Like everything sounded like something you would like actually very early Rihanna, hear. but yeah, yeah, it was yeah, something you would actually hear. So you weren't just like you wanted to buy these songs for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. I did buy those songs for real. Absolutely, I'm going to buy those songs. Yeah, <laughs> they're also on Spotify. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say too, um, Mary, what you were saying about um, the. Um, uh, Jamal and uh, Lucius doing that very very uncomfortable scene <laughs> but like how it did advance the storyline along it also um, sort of I was not sure how they were going to make that work just because like when they come up to this house in the ghetto and like um, Lucius has in his own passive aggressive way asked for help from Jamal but he can't I mean there's literally nothing Lucius has ever done graciously nope. and um, so he's asked for help but not explicitly and he's not going to be kind about it and he's not going to be respectful about it and like even as they're going up the steps to this house he's insulting his son and making fun of him for being gay and I was like how are we ever going to get anything done with the two of you I mean I don't see like why we should because Lucius is a monster but like I like there was the only way they could have pulled it together was with the very very weird uncomfortable song they did because their relationship is so weird and uncomfortable um and it just uh and it turned out to be listenable and everything and it was just a very there were a lot of things that were tied up in there that I thought Yeah, was really I mean, well. there was, like, a lot of just general good acting work going into that scene. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Terrence Howard grabbed a guitar, and, like, that whole scene went... Classical guitar was not what I was expecting. It, yeah. It, you know? It did some stuff after that. It that did was some things. Like, yeah. Some things happened, <laughs> and I, like, started cringing from my television because Lucius's face was too close to me, even though I was being protected by the reality break between television and me <laughs> and also like weirdly sexual and like not 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 what we wanted just stay away from him jamal just yeah. like literally yeah. everyone but jamal especially like, yes unfortunately when terrence howard turns up his intensity yeah it gets sexual it gets yeah. so yeah. And it's not, like, and it's not like he's like oh i'm trying to come onto my son he's just like when i get intense i get sexual but that's, that's he could have been alone in that room and it would have been like, too yes, sexual exactly. you know? that's terrence howard and he he's unfortunately perfectly cast yeah <laughs> actually no he, no, he really yes. is just yes. a dick this is life. this is a perfect segue we got to talk about terrence howard we got to talk about taraji p henson mm-hmm. who plays cookie uh... Terrence is perfectly cast because as we all know, he is a scumbag Mm -hmm. in real life and he really gets to lean into that for this role and I'm kind of angry that he's perfect for this. This is basically his wheelhouse. Like, he gets to be a dick and he gets to sing. Like, great. And he gets to, like, grope Taraji B. Henson, which... There's some, there's an interview of theirs that I saw a bit of where he was talking about, like, when they met and, like, he hit on her and then she shut him down and he was laughing about it. And this was, like, back in Hustle and Flow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, like, really, like, everything I understand to be true about Terrence Howard really <laughs> is true. Like, he really is that guy who, like, hits on his coworkers and thinks it's funny when they turn him down. Like, what are you doing? Why are you horrible? So I really feel like in the show where he does, like, sleep with his son's beard and, like, father a child and then convince his son that his son is the child of his own child with his son's beard. Like, this is, like, really, like, this is what he's for. <laughs> this is what Terrence Howard is for. Like, God bless. Uh, <laughs> but he and Cookie, right? He yeah. and Taraji have, like, explosive, amazing chemistry. It's Murderous just, chemistry. Am- like, they make you want them together. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, I don't, I don't want them together at I all. Loved, I, I loved, loved Cookie too much. To I love their early scenes where yeah. he's just like, yeah. well, he's fully with Anika, but he's yeah. like, you know, touching and teasing and, you know, like, just flirting with her and I'm like, the, the vibe is just like, I 
You're awful, but I kind of want this. Well, there's this horrible part of you that wants Cookie to win, and you're like, why is getting Terrence Howard winning? (laughs) Yes. Yes. you had the chance uh, you could have just erased the video footage no one would have known. Malcolm yeah. would have done it for you exactly. truth <laughs> I will say that uh, that cookie versus Anika scene though that was everything I oh, really that appreciate that a lot well that's that like we have to credit that to Taraji P. Henson mm-hmm. who we haven't really talked about a lot but a can shame. we can we She's talk about Taraji talk about her, She's yeah. the best one. She, if it wasn't for her her the show would have like flopped She's mm-hmm. she feel. basically she sets the entire tone like yeah. Yeah. she walked she walked out of jail uh, and the outfit she walked in in. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We need to discuss this outfit. Because <laughs> yeah. I really feel All like this outfit. And then you're like, bam, I understand who this is. Mm-hmm. And she just sort of like, she she played it all the way to the cheap seats. And yeah. you're like, I instantly understand what you're doing. I understand the tone you're going for. I know exactly what show this is. Yep. I'm in. <laughs> it was a leopard print. Yes. Mini skirt. Mini skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a white fur. Her fur vault Oh my god. Because she has never worn the same fur. No, no. Her fur game is real. It's, I mean, like. (laughs) I'm like, I dare Peter to come near her. (laughs) None of that shit's real, bro. Try it. But they're like, yeah, come and try. Right? She has killed so many Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point at which, which which McDonald's character were you like, she murdered him for his coat. That, that purple fur she was wearing, yes, though. Yes. She killed, like, a lot of cartoons. To there was this, a smurf? There was a smurf that she clearly had scalped for her first smurf fur. Yeah. yeah. To wear to the Berkshires. Yes. So the Berkshires. So that, the Berkshires. So that Malcolm could peel her out of it. Mm. Oh, good. That's a good reason to wear anything. If that honest. smurf yes. died for good and, honor. Uh-huh. And her high-heeled, knee-high stiletto leopard print boots. Always. That she wore into the Berkshires in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about her is so perfect. Oh, man. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. And honestly, like, the show would not really work without her. Like, she's the one who was, like tearing the scenery apart but mm-hmm. in, like at just the right level and she's also she's Perfect. the one who makes everyone else interesting yeah yes. yeah because i mean like i i love jamal to pieces but like without cookie to sort of like be vicious for him yeah i don't know that i would necessarily be able to care as much just because he is sort of like the most like he was the conscience for a very very long time on the show until the finale when he's <laughs> yeah. now suddenly doing dark dark, dark things dark um <laughs> but um you know cookie has always been the one to sort of like you know, break down doors for him and, like, rip other people apart for him. And sometimes you're like, oh, God, Cookie, no, this is terrible. We're so worried. But, like, <laughs> she is the one who, like, makes things happen and makes things interesting and makes things move forward. So well, uh, her yeah. be- the best episodes when uh, she was when she had to go to Philadelphia and she yeah. has the cab mm-hmm. all day and she takes it to Philadelphia mm-hmm. she goes yes. and testifies she gets her sister mm-hmm. they go back into New York she's uh, on the uh, phone with Jamal right? she's fixing his song on the phone right? Yeah, and then hiring a hitman Yes, <laughs> all like you do. Having, like this cab with her all day. Yeah, yep. it was like the best cookie episode ever. Mm-hmm. It was that was such a great so episode. good. And then she was so busy, she missed her own anniversary. I would say, <laughs> I would say, close second for best cookie moment ever was the second time she was at Ghetto Ass Studios where she had oh. to drink oh, yes. whatever the yes, fuck no. that was, the yes. toilet <laughs> wine, and she drank all of Creedmoor's dogs under the fucking <laughs> table. It was so 
how yes, good for me. That was great. Went on Derek. Yes. Derek Luke. Uh, taste the cookies. Taste the cookies. <laughs> that shot was inspired. In yes. case you missed this scene, A, go find it again. Right. B, you were missing Taraji P. Henson being shoved drunk ass into the backseat of an SUV. Head first. Head first. Amazing with, boots. Yeah, with yeah. her legs splayed out in a V, inviting Derek Luke to come take her cookies. And yes. we were like, we were all you right there, cookies. Yeah, taste those cookies. Yep. We are all about him tasting your cookies. Mm-hmm. So glad she took his shirt off. We all are. It was a Believe snap me. button shirt, and she just like straight up snap, ripped snap, snap. down that denim. <laughs> yep. It was good. Uh, now, she's fantastic, and she has like really great chemistry with just about everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. her and Anika, their like combative, like, you know, catty relationship is It's fantastic. delightful to watch. Yes. And also, yeah. like, but I mean, like, finally, whatever, but like, who would care about Anika without Cookie there? Like, how could you? I don't know how she you could care. She fades into the, like the woodwork. Without, yeah, yeah, without absolutely. Her coming out, you know, coming out to attack Cookie. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to Anika, really. Yeah, that's true. You know, and even her turning on Lucius mm-hmm. was about Anika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that part of the reason that she's such a compelling character is that. She, like, she and Lucius are very similar in the sense that both of them have, like, a terrible love that motivates them. Mm-hmm. Like, Lucius's love is terrible, whereas Cookie's love is terribly, like, dangerous in and of itself. Like, the way that she came out of prison, hadn't seen Hakim in ages, and he was, like, a total shit to her, mm-hmm. but that her reaction to that is to beat the hell out of him with a broom, and that, like, as soon as Lucia saw him, he was like, ah, oh, you saw your mama. Like, <laughs> he knew that this is, like, inside of her. And then that she loves Jamal so much, and she's, like, proud of him, and that she's still, like, super inappropriate and uses a ton of, like, you gotta change that lingo cookie. Mm-hmm. But that she, like gives the truth bomb to Michael and then she says it to Jamal too where she's like I think the door is adorable but Michael has nothing going on and you need someone who has something going on so that when you start taking off like he's not going to be completely left in the dirt which is exactly what happened and Michael walks out like and I think that to some extent like part of the reason that Dre had like the meltdown is because I just don't think that the two of them ever really connected like that Mm -hmm. post prison because even the first time he went and saw her he went with an agenda yeah Yeah. so I think that it's so interesting because both of the parents have these like terrible motivating affections for their children and they affect them in completely different ways absolutely and it's just such a credit to these two actors for being like so on top of the game that like in the midst of like this absolutely insane like literal hair pulling drinks being thrown in people's faces (laughs) screaming match of a show Mm -hmm. that you have all these layers that they're playing absolutely yeah should we talk about the fight (laughs) oh the fight was so good for me I like that it wasn't like one long continu- like it kept stopping and starting stopping yep. and starting they would stop her and then one would go after the other like, <laughs> I like that it wasn't like a full on brawl like there was no pausing it yeah. felt real mm-hmm. you know yeah I like that she pulled the pearls I was gonna say <laughs> when she pulled the pearls I was like yes ruin everything <laughs> don't, don't mess with a debutante's pearls <laughs> just like really like not that any of us had any doubts but I was very pleased that like it was made clear that like Cookie wins at the end we Obviously. all knew Cookie would she win but like she out. was choking her on a pool table and I was like <laughs> yes but also 
how great was it that the final fight was not about Lucius? Yeah. No. Yeah, that yeah. the two of them are still antagonistic, and they probably should be. The two of them are just going to be antagonistic. But that, like, they were not fighting over that scumbag of a man. They were fighting over something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on to taking a more sort of holistic view of the first season and sort of the show's cultural place, what do we think is going to happen next season? Oh, God. All right, so you have the hostile takeover set up. Right. Yes. In addition to Lucius being in prison, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there'll be some sort of trial shenanigans, if I know my soap operas, and I think <laughs> that I do. Um, so maybe he never even goes to trial, depending on what happens, but he doesn't have, like, a Vernon lawyer to get him off anymore. Vernon so is Lucius has, Lucius has to basically get out of jail, or, like, do shit from behind the scenes in jail. And honestly, I feel like they could go either way narratively, mm-hmm. and they could even make Lucius doing shit from jail for their entire season and still managing to, like, fuck up everybody. Well, because you also know <laughs> that, like, if he is in jail for a while, he's going to make people come to him. So every time yeah. someone visits well, him to ask him something or threaten him or anything, it's going to be like they're, like, paying a visit to the throne room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. That's yeah, definitely... absolutely. The Godfather um, will see you now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lucius is in prison. Um, Jamal is ostensibly running the company because he knows how to do that. Sure. No, we had a little montage of that, and I was like, oh, down. honey, what do the you want? The stock has gone down because yeah. of the scandal, but they're going to have to pull it up from the bottom. I don't know what the plummeting stock price means for the hostile takeover prospects. It doesn't... Um, it doesn't they, really... It was the first day of trading, and it was after hours. Don't you people understand? <laughs> the market closes at four, and even if you're doing after hours, the volume on that is microscopic. And also, there's not even ADRs, so don't even, like, lie to me about overseas. Whatever. This concludes my <laughs> <laughs> it's It would never happen. All right. So, basically, so he's in prison. Um, the company is potentially in trouble um, because the IPO has just been, like, fucked royally. Yes. Um, Hakeem and Cookie and Anika and Dre and whatever Trixie, rich, Bugsy, whatever. <laughs> rich dude, white dude with the shitty rapper son oh, um, are, are going to try to hostile take over the company and then it's going to be Jamal and who? Nobody. He has nobody now. Becky. Becky, Becky and prison dad. Those are the only people on his side. Oh, Becky and prison dad. <laughs> <laughs> he is a videographer, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah oh, what yeah. good is he? I, I mean, don't know. He's attractive. He's very pretty. I mean, I appreciated him when they had sex on Lucius's desk. That, that was, was awesome. a really good I think moment everyone, for me. everyone... So here's the thing. Like, before we start talking, like, here's just some stuff we didn't even mention after we discussed, <laughs> like, the two-part finale because it was, like, not even super important really? to the whole plot. So uh, Jamal fucks his, like, boyfriend on Lucius's desk while, like, Andre is getting good with Jesus. Right, so there's, so there's this amazing, like, Jennifer Hudson gospel Ripping. soundtrack to this really gorgeous gay sex office scene, and I was just like, yes, this needs to happen. And Cookie is trying to kill Lucius at the And Cookie is, yes, like, trying, to, is trying to suffocate Lucius. Lucius. Yes. Which yes. is finally in that house. I still don't know why she was in that she's house. She's always in that house. She's always in that house. Yes. She's she's trying to find more of Anika's leftover clothes. <laughs> but, and then, and then some other random shit that happens is that, like, Andre's white wife, Rhonda, tries to leave him and then randomly comes back just in time for Uncle Vernon who has exited rehab for cocaine Jesus. to be trying to talk to Andre they get into a fight 
uh, Bergen's the like beating yeah. the shit out of him, and Rhonda grabs something and knocks him off the back of the head like and a candlestick. Yeah, and kills it him. It was a very, <laughs> it was a very how to get away with murder moment. We were all yeah. like, oh no, like, is he dead? Is he unconscious? Is he dead? He's he, dead. He, he, he Vernon dead. is yeah. dead. And then Andre is like, we gotta call the cops, and she's like, don't do it. I'm pregnant. And all of this is just like the tertiary. Right. That's like the stuff that happens. Just on happening the in the background. Yeah. 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 So basically, I feel like season two. Um, I can't believe it's only season two. I know. So season two, like, has to deal with something, like, how... And we, and we honestly, we, they have not even touched anything about dead Vernon. No. Dead Vernon. Oh, also, also, like, have, Cookie oh. having um, ordered that hit on that yes. guy. Like, where the shit is that? We yes. don't know. We don't know. Yeah. And the fact, yeah. Yeah. We have no idea. So basically season two, I'm sure, like, dead Vernon will come up. Yeah. Um, Ron, white, what white, do they do with dead Vernon? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. we have no idea. Um, it's Rhonda's pregnant. Rhonda's gonna have a baby. So, like... If they fast forward, then we might have a really cute mixed baby. Oh my god, please! You really took Lola away from me. Give me another oh child. My god, I should bring back Lola. Oh, Lola. Yeah. Cousin. cousin. What, what I said and what I will say <laughs> again, though, is that the, the people in charge of casting on the show are amazing at finding really, 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 really adorable black babies. Like, I don't know, like, just, I mean, obviously there are many really adorable black babies, so I don't know it could have been that hard, but, like, really well but done. But they found, like, the most exclusively know, cute like, ones. Uh, oh, remember when they had Baby Hakeem yeah. on a couple baby weeks ago? Hakeem. Baby Hakeem was so precious. I loved Baby Everybody. Yeah. Yes, baby yeah. All of Them. I especially loved uh, Baby Lucius with his do-rag that looked so <laughs> fucking convincing <laughs> so convincing yes. I honestly think that I would be more convincing <laughs> I don't know why it threw me off so badly with him and that dude but it did I don't it just it because he's, he was still like full plaid suit Terrence Howard but with a do-rag yeah it just didn't work it did not he yeah. did not have the quote unquote grit needed to like pull off that look because he still looks like fat and happy and smug and it's yeah. just like it did not like uh, it did not yeah. it almost worked as badly as when Jamal was wearing the durag at the end yeah. Yeah. Jamal was way more successful God bless him yeah. let's yeah. hope that never happens right. to me. but what I'm hoping for season 2 what I'm yes. really genuinely hoping is that this first season was Cookie coming out of jail and Herman kind of being on the back foot right trying to get caught up get right with her sons figure out what the fuck is happening get in with the company yes and, do what she and what i want now for season two is for lucius to absolutely be masterminding this shit from behind prison bars but but for cookie who is the only person who knows him and like knows how smart he is and like knows how dangerous he is to become like primed and ready to be mm-hmm. like an actual opponent yeah. and for both of them to know how best to strategically play one another and their kids yeah. in yeah. order to win this. Like, well, that would you, be amazing. Do you think that now that Lucius is in jail, it would make more strategic sense for her to, like, go back with Jamal and, like, and be like, in. yeah, it's like, it. do you need to do a hostile takeover if Lucius is in prison? Well, the whole setup, right, and if we dial back to the completely bullshit setup that they were talking about Whatever. in terms of Board how... directors, Right, how the yeah. hostile goes over. They were just saying that if you just have, basically, a puppet CEO... Right. then it's much easier to do a hostile. So I don't think that that's off the table. Yeah. I think right. that insofar as Hakeem and Andre and Trixie, which I know is not his name, but that's what I'm going to call him forever <laughs> Trickster now. Trickster thing. Yeah. Trixie. Trick, guy. Trick, trick, uh, Tricky. Something, yeah. yeah. That trick said <laughs> um, that it would be easier for them to do the hostile takeover in that capacity. And I feel like for Hakeem, Andre, and him, that having Jamal in that role is actually perfect. Because, like, he he's no- a musical genius. He has no fucking clue what he's doing Absolutely running a not. business. And as we've already seen with Black Rambo, there are some, <laughs> there are some obvious cracks in 
the facade when it comes to like him being gay and running this like R&B empire yeah. right. like whether or not like I realistically believe that's something that would happen on that level of industry irrelevant right because they've written it into the show as something that is like an element of the series yeah. so I don't know I think that that's still in play Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Jesus Christ. So there's, there's hostile takeover. I kind of want Naomi Campbell to come back. She yes. has oh, to she's come back. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would like to see, where the heck is Tiana? Where yeah. is Tiana? I feel like I we saw Tiana. her hair real quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think she was standing near Andre. Yeah. But, like, it's like they built up Tiana, and then she just disappeared. She and I feel like the, um, that, too, is sort of one another of the, the, the dangling loose ends that's yeah. going on the show. But I was, um, I was really intrigued by at the very beginning when she and Hakeem first got together and she had this girlfriend on the side that she Mm -hmm. was actually pretty serious about and I maybe that ended we never actually got like a clear answer on what happened I feel like the way that I read that relationship between Tiana and Hakeem is that like Hakeem was like into her and he loved her because he's a fetus and like (laughs) while he was also banging Naomi Campbell yeah obviously because he clearly has old ladies he does we we didn't even mention him in any (laughs) that was the first that was the first group scream oh my god that was a thing that happened just like uh, another thing we forgot to mention like randomly in the club we're like, oh, Anika's fun. Ah, Hakeem! <laughs> Hakeem and Boo Boo Kitty! And they're all threatening uh, Ferretti's life. Yeah. We yeah. are, like, so he much. He dangled him off so a building. Much. So much. So much oh happened. Oh, my God. You and full Dirk side in about five minutes. Yeah. So right. much happened. Um, yeah. But, like, what was I even saying? Oh, Tiana. Tiana. Yeah. So I feel like, to me, Tiana was, like, more serious about her girlfriend always. Yeah. Whereas, like, her thing with Hakeem was very much, like, a business move. Yes. Well, right. So well, my I assumption was that she yeah. so like that, she, that she had stayed together with her girlfriend, but I kind of thought that we would see more of, more of that. Yeah. Well, especially because there was this, that was the really ridiculous scene where um, Hakeem, like, when he first saw the picture of Tiana and her girlfriend, and he got all indignant about it, and Lucius came to talk him down, and he was like, you have, you have a girlfriend, and your girlfriend has a girlfriend. What does that mean? Transitive power of girlfriends. Like, no. You have two girlfriends. But I, 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 I was hoping there would be some kind of fallout where Hakeem learns that, like, just because your girlfriend has a girlfriend does not mean a girlfriend's girlfriend is your okay, girlfriend. Okay, exactly. but Zara, like, let's Well, I don't know that Hakeem would necessarily no, I know, learn anything. No, I know, I know, but, but let's, like, let's examine the fact that, like, Cookie ordered a hit on a drug dealer, and there was no fallout, <laughs> evidently, so I don't necessarily okay, know that that's, like, that's Hakeem. A fair Thread. She mistook point. an anniversary gift from Lucius <laughs> as, as like a horse head in her bed. Yes. A sign that someone was trying, was going to come kill her and fucked it up and had her sister. That was like that the was best I fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up moment of all time. I hope we get more of her sister next season because yes. every, every like we get little bits of them She's together. She's so delightful. And they're so just like funny and intense and I really want to see more of that just because like they have very similar personalities but live such different lives. Yeah. And um, I just want, I don't know, like I think um, even if Cookie gets like two weeks without Lucius like on the ground in her life she could get so much done just because like this entire season he's everywhere like there's nowhere you can go that he doesn't have someone watching he's always up in everyone else's business you know he's got this gigantic security system and stuff but now like even if he's like out of the way just for a little while like he doesn't have Vernon anymore like I feel like there there are some roots she could put down even if she only has a little bit of time especially if if her, her sister came along just to like 
help her like bust some balls. I think that would be her amazing. Her sister and Portia, and they could. She's good. Portia, I, we love Portia. Best. Portia's the best. I was thinking about the sister. I was like, when you see her, you realize how where they came from mm-hmm. and yeah. how much they left behind. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was weird. Like that's your boy's like aunt, and she lives in a place where her screen door. Exactly. Has yeah, a I was surprised by and that. She has never seen that mansion. But yeah. that is because Lucius is a piece your, of shit. You've yeah. never seen your nephews. That's because Lucius is a piece of shit. He yeah. left them behind. He yeah. absolutely he leaves, did. He leaves people behind whenever he wants to, yeah. yeah. He left his wife behind bars for 17 yes. years. Yeah, he no, did. Like, you did not even do right by your sister-in-law who did help raise those boys. Yeah. Because they talked about... And he shot them. Bunky. Well, there he, you go. he did do that. Yeah. He did yeah. shoot Bunky. Well, you know what? Bunky asked three million, so... There's a lot... There were a lot of problems. <laughs> Too much money. Well, you know what? So I always shoot my killed. friends when they ask for loans, so... <laughs> so many people died. Okay, look. So that's a really good place to end it for these, those two episodes. Let's talk about, overall, the first season of Empire... Um, part of the reason this show is so interesting to discuss, it had a, a huge um, pilot day, like it it opened huge, and mm-hmm. every single episode after, the numbers have climbed. And in this modern day of like extremely low ratings and like clinging to DVR numbers, that's kind of unprecedented. So let's talk a little bit about why that might be happening and also like sort of the cultural impact of this show because I think that like one of the discussions that I really want to know about is like is it just because someone finally started making television and black people were like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's a show that is about us and for us or is it something else going on well I feel like they uh I've got to like do a shout out to China Rhymes and reaping that scandal so yeah yeah like, Scandal came out, and then uh, Deception came out for one season, which no one watched, except for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it started with, like, hey, there's a black person who's heading a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's some people who watch that. And, like, each each successive show has built on that. Yeah. It's like Scandal, and then How to Get Away with, with Murder. Murder. And now here is like, no, it's just all black people. And, like, one, like, white token girl. White, oh, yeah. Like, let me tell it. you that that is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you would watch this. You know, you'd watch, like, you know, Carrie Washington, or you'd watch, you know... This, but here, here's all of us. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, we're going to watch this. Yeah. yeah. We've been waiting for this. Yeah. It's been a long time since, like, you know, the old days of, like, uh, I say, but the Cosby show in a different world. Right. Right. In color. Yeah. But it's also, like, not sort of like. Living single. You yes. know, and living single. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, like, such a complex show, right? It's not like a dinky sitcom. Yeah. Yes. Like, you're, you're, like, I mean, Bill Cosby used to be the pinnacle of all good fatherliness, but let's That's leave that one aside. Yeah. But, like, so th- these are, like, super complicated, interesting yeah. characters. And I think that as much as, like, the black community must be rallying behind the show, the numbers also prove that, like, it's not just black people who are watching yeah. the yeah. show. Like, everyone is watching this show. And more are coming each week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know for me, at least part of what's really, really great about it is, like, you were talking about, um, like, building on Scandal. Um, I haven't watched Scandal in a while, but I watched most of the first season, and part of what was kind of weird about it for me... My mom can catch you up. um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, part of what was both weird about it for me and, like, in some ways kind of, like, reflective of my own life was, like, Carrie Washington was, like, the sole black person on the show in, like, a very white world so she was kind of like black but out of context and like black and like middle class or upper middle class and like very educated out of context inside the beltway right in um like playing playing by white rules you know well, that's like the joe morton line in that show right that right. crystallizes her entire character right so i mean like but that's kind of what you always get with a black character on a show that is very popular like you kind of there's really um for a very long time there's sort of only been one way with a little bit of wiggle room to be black on television mm-hmm. and that is to be um a very very sanitized um like very white educated 
um, middle class or rich, like a very specific kind of black person that I guess white people feel comfortable seeing. Unless you are going to play like a villain of some kind. Unless, yeah. unless you're yeah. going to be a villain, unless you're going to be like a Sassy one-off, friend. unless you're going to be yeah. shot, you know. So I feel like um, with Empire, for the first time, it's um, uh, an almost entirely black cast that is not on a black channel. And um, there's so many different kinds of black people on the show, both in terms of, like, literal skin color from um, Anika, who is mixed and very light-skinned, to, you know, Derek Luke and Gabourey City Bay and Mm -hmm. very dark-skinned, and then everybody in the middle. And um, sort of um, all different kinds of um, ways of speaking, different origins and stuff. You see a lot of that um, just in terms of... Um, Lucius and his upbringing and, you know, his constant harping on his ghetto cred. And then he's got these sons and he wants them to be as tough as he is, but they were born rich and they were raised rich and they were educated rich and white. And um, so, which is why, you know, you get that scene of like Jamal in Bushwick (laughs) (laughs) banging on trash cans like it means something. But like, it's very, like there's there's just sort of a lot of um, very explicit discussion of of different different ways of being black in America and in New York. And um, each of these characters is taken seriously Mm -hmm. and they're whole important human beings and like, people get shot, but since they're not the only black people on the show, I can be less sad about yeah, it. It's, it's um, like Orange is the New Black. They don't have to be, like, yeah. representative. Yeah. Of, exactly. It was, it was like yeah. Orange is the New Black when, like, um, one of the characters who's, like, one of the like, the worst per- person people on season two, and she's awful, and I hate her, and I hate her, and I hate her. Um, yeah, and yeah. she died, and, she, and we didn't have to dies. be sad about it. You didn't have to be sad about it because she was one of seven or eight black women on that show. Right. And then, honestly, there's only, like... And she wasn't representative of all black women, <laughs> yes. and, yeah, like, and, and, her, and her yeah. getting killed off didn't mean that we would be deprived of further black female characters. <laughs> I was thinking about the differences between just Jamal and, and I'm sorry, uh, Hakeem and Andre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Andre was old enough to remember where they came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was old enough to remember his mom, like, doing drug deals in front of him and talking about drug deals. And he had to hide his dad's gun. He had a gun. He remembered where they came from. And and then he went to a white school and, like, assimilated, if you can say. Which is, you know, like, that whole flashback scene that we were talking about with him and Rhonda where suddenly the relationship makes perfect sense because she's apparently, like, dirt poor, white trash, who's pretending, trying to be preppy, is not succeeding, and both of them sort of have They both don't belong. They both do not belong in in this, like, super, like, rich, affluent world Mm -hmm. and kind of mutually band together and try to, you know... Yeah. Yeah. And we have Hakeem, who was, like, he was very, like, he was practically a baby when, Mm -hmm. like, Lucius blew up. So he grew up in wealth. Mm-hmm. He's complete, but yet artifice. he's trying to be yeah. like super street. Like I think, he, like Hookie's called, like Hookie's called him out on it. Like yeah. he's yeah. not about that life, but that's the world he tries to be like right. emulate. I'm like, that's not where you're from. He tries it's, to put that on, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, that like he's the rich kid. Yeah, he's trying to be street. Whereas Andre was the street kid, and he's trying to be you know like upper middle, like you know. Right. Yeah. Like, right. It's interesting the way they Brooks like Brothers. switched, and like yeah. even yeah. as Andre like tries to do that and like tries to like assimilate into this like richer, whiter world. As he does that, it brings him farther away from the family that he's trying to acquire these skills for. Yeah. yeah. Which is also like super legit, just in terms of like um, sort of feeling just among among black people, like feeling like 
this kind of blackness is too white or this kind of blackness yeah. is too ghetto, like that kind of stuff. And I feel like I would have expected to be like way more pissed off about sort of like how that was portrayed. And instead, I feel like it's very true to some of the life experiences I've had in terms of like being a black kid at a prep school and then trying to like bring my prep school self into making friends with other black kids and like how complicated that gets. And Andre is just doing that. But like as an adult, he's trying to come home. And now that he's done this thing, like, Lucius doesn't want him anymore because Lucius doesn't understand him. Well, I think part of the reason it works is because you have, like you said, so many different versions of this, right? right? And you're you're rubbing up not against your own conceptions, you're rubbing up against, like, Hakeem's version of this and right. Jamal's version of this and other people within the same context. So right. you don't have to compare it against, like, whatever sort of benchmark in your head would be the right way to do it. You have so many different characters experiencing similar things and difficulties that it really, like you said, like you don't have to have one person be representative of blackness because that's ridiculous. There's so many different experiences and you have so many people having those different experiences. Well, in the show, even though I don't think it's very, it's not highlighting a lot of that, but then there are throwaway lines when you're like, you know exactly what you're doing with this. Yeah. 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 And I'm very into too, just in terms of like tropes of black women that, um, Anika is very much sort of like what America wants its black women to be like, you know, like very slim, very light skinned, very Halle Berry, you know, like just very um, coiffed and rich and educated and like, yeah, demure sometimes. And, you know, like sort of like every comment I've ever gotten where someone's like, you're so articulate. Like that's what they're talking about. (laughs) You speak so well. Right. You're so eloquent. I never would have thought like that's what they're talking about. And so I feel like you've got, you've got her and it's very interesting to see um, how Lucius likes having her as a trophy wife, but he doesn't like his own son, Andre, who is basically the male version of what Anika is yeah. doing. Oh, so yes. you look like you um, want to yell about no, something. No, no, I was like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Just, um, like, I didn't make that contact until just now. I just, I, I find that really interesting. And then you've also got Cookie, who, like, could portray some of the worst stereotypes about like quote unquote ghetto black women and instead she's this incredibly full character Mm -hmm. who like does come from that background and will like rip someone's pearls or snatch someone's wig and she has the nails and she has the leopard print and she has the fur and everything and like instead of sort of like writing her off or making her one note she's this incredibly deep person and she's a mom and she's got these really intense feelings about her sons and she is was a convict and like still comes like back out into the world and like is working to become a businesswoman and like make money and like well stay independent and i just like it i really like that she's not written into a corner you know like there's a there's a lot about cookie and you can't like say she's only this or she's only that i really appreciate that a lot i also appreciate how they're they, the implication of the entire show is that she is the musical genius and Lucius just happened to benefit by standing next to her, essentially. She's a musical genius. She got them the money. She's better at writing songs than he is. Yeah. She like she knows how to produce things. She knows how to like. She's do more open minded. She can produce over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> right. She can do anything. She is like she is just like a million times better than literally everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you would have to wonder how much bigger Lucius would have been if Cookie had been by his side the whole yeah. time. Yeah. You know. Terrifying. Like Terrifying. she is the she brought in that money. Yeah. I mean, she, Jamal would yeah. already be multi platinum. Yeah. Although, yeah. given that it's Lucius, like you have to wonder too. Like he, it looks like from the way the show has portrayed it, he was um, still deeply in love with her when she went to jail, and like really like worried about her and concerned about her and all that. And then, like as his oh, business God. progressed, and like his um, like his various interests 
and, you know, his various appetites sort of, like, had free reign, he sort of left her behind, which is what she said before. She was left behind all alone. And I have to wonder, too, like, even if she had stayed out of jail and stuck with him, like, he's so ambitious that I feel like he would have found a way eventually. Like, he would have wanted to find a way to be on top without having to give her credit for things. So I kind of feel like even if she hadn't taken that particular fall, we would still be in the place we're in because that's the kind of person Lucius Lyon is. He's, he consumes people and then he throws them away. I, I think what's really interesting, though, is I feel like her as a character, she is so like passionate and has mm-hmm. so many... like strong guiding feelings and all of her like feelings toward her children mm-hmm. are really kind of like the heart of the show mm-hmm. yes like cookie and her children are the heart of the show mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i remember what i was gonna say yeah so i think one of the things that i found really interesting about lucius right is that the thing that he accuses hakeem of the thing that he accuses jamal of less so but like the thing that he accuses dre of is like sort of forgetting where they come from and not right. having that intensity and grit and life experience like what the fuck do you like, know like me. where right. do you yeah. come from like you've never done like you're not real right yeah but then like to me and i can't speak to all the other stuff right i like no shared experiences <laughs> but he's completely forgotten who he is and oh, where yeah. he comes from because like to me the one unifying element of his history is, like, not the unfortunate headwear, but it's Cookie, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's all of those scenes of him picking away at that shitty keyboard in that overflowing house with all those people screaming in the background and her just, like, coming in. Raising and like, three babies. Raising and three like babies. Writing a song for him in, like, yeah. five seconds. Yeah. And it's just, like, the, the version of Lucius who, like, loved her to distraction and they were a creative engine together. He's completely forgotten that person mm-hmm. and rewritten his personal history so that somehow, like, he was this, like, godlike monolith that somehow this made this happen. Right. And I think that that will ultimately be his downfall, is that he's, Hopefully. like, so <laughs> bought into his own mythos that he's forgotten that, like, he did not get here on his own, not even close. Yeah. He's right. forgotten that he had Funky. He had Carol yeah. watching those kids. Right. He had Vernon. Every person he that talks to him he goes I did this I built this company I did this on yeah. my own who like, are no. you yeah, yeah. this um, is mine no. you had uh, Cookie's money you had Vernon helping you you had Andre go to school to help you right you had Bunky looking after the younger yeah and, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure you had Aunt Carol doing stuff for you too and I'm like you didn't do all this on your own but he now believes it no no I did everything yeah. none of you had any like influence on me whatsoever well, I think part of that is sort of what ties into making Lucius so alarming for me is his ability to sort of see the world however he wants it to be. Yeah. So he's decided that he is the one who created all of this and built all of this and made all of this. And um, all of, like, the money and the power um, is his, like, his right and his destiny. To bestow and, how he wants and you should be grateful. Exactly. And I yeah. think that also ties into his ability to be so compelling to people because he tells people a story and he believes it enough that they believe it. So this happens so many times this season where he comes back and delivers this really heartfelt apology mm-hmm. or he he um, he appears to show a lot of compassion to someone Offers and to say to the things they want to hear. Produce a gospel record for yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but just like all, all through the season, he's, he's done things that are like very specifically tailored to the people that he's speaking to and he plays... Um, he plays to their feelings, he plays to their vanity, he plays to their hopes and their fears. Um, he he does the things that... He, he appears to do the things that he would do if he were a good person. 
and people buy into it and that's where the danger is because he's not a good person and it's all completely meaningless and in the next episode if he founds out if he finds out that you slept with his head of security he's gonna like you know delete your security card and shove you out of the building <laughs> so um I just like that's um I mean it's he's sort of like a very classic character in terms of that and again like sort of bringing back to cultural relevance stuff like that you do not often get to see black men do that kind of thing because we have so many TV shows where that's headlined by a white guy who is just a total shit and you hate him but he's got power and he's clever and there's something about him that's charismatic and people are always sort of like standing in awe of him that kind of thing and um, it's a little different just because like those are um, they're not as much anti-heroes as mm-hmm. Lucius actually is because he really is a genuinely bad guy and like House wasn't a bad guy he was just a really obnoxious dickhead you know yeah. so um, Lucius is actually like a, a dangerous person sure. but like just in terms of sort of um, complexity and like sometimes every once in a while you get to see a little hint of who Lucius might be if he weren't a total monster you know um, telling Jamal what his birth name was before he changed it to Lucius spelled wrong lion um, <laughs> Dwight <laughs> he was right Dwight Walker yeah, um, but you know like well, things like that you know when you see his first reaction to hearing that he's going to die you know and his first reaction to hearing that he's going to live as well like these moments he has where you're reminded that he really is human and he does have feelings they're just very 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 secret and they won't necessarily influence his conscience or any of his actions or anything like that. And I just, um, he's like totally monstrous, but he's such a complex character. And so I like, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just love seeing a black man get to play a character like that every week. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. Terrence Howard. The only, the only thing I will add to, <laughs> yeah. to that is to say that his reaction to finding out that he's actually going to live mm-hmm. and him like smiling and laughing, I literally like felt cold in my heart. Like a oh my chill, God. right? Like, the devil! Like, have, he's like, I have conquered death. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm unkillable. Like, even God can't kill, kill me. me. Like, <laughs> he just needed yes. another log to throw in the fire of like of his ego and it was just sort of like, this is terrifying. What is he going to do with this now that he like... I mean, if this because... were a Harry Potter crossover, he would totally have horcruxes. Like... <laughs> yeah. I feel like a Lucius that was dying... Someone of... please write that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I feel like a Lucius that was dying of ALS had um, certain... He had some like, limitations. He had, like, yes, he had like, uh, like gates, like things that would stop him. Mm-hmm. Now he's like, oh, I'm not dying? I'm going to live a lot longer? I can do I whatever can do I want. I don't need to suck up to you. I don't need to make good with you. I can fuck you all over and I'm fine because I'm going to live forever now. Yeah. After this entire season of him literally saying at least once every episode, oh, but I'm dying. <laughs> Sleep with me. I'm dying. You know, like. <laughs> as bad as he was when he wasn't dying, when he was dying, he's going to be worse now. Oh, yeah. It's scary. <laughs> this is terrible. It's yeah. so terrible. But it's such a it's such a good show. Trying to explain the show to people who don't watch it, though, like I've been trying to explain to my mother why she needs to watch it, and like I'm like, okay, well, first listen, Timbaland is the executive music producer, and she's like, okay, like that's fair, and I'm like, but that it's like that Lucius and he like does things and like Taraji P Henson and like Gay Sun and like, and she's like, okay, like you need to calm There's, down. There's like so many hand <laughs> motions involved, like just the way that we keep forgetting to mention things that just like, oh, by the way, casually yeah. happen, and, and and it's like weird as like the whole like. Dre, Jennifer Hudson, whatever storyline is, it really does a lot of, like, the way that it handled sort of his mental illness Mm -hmm. and him sort of slowly, like, breaking down under the pressure of this IPO Mm -hmm. and, like, 
not taking his meds and him and his wife clearly having a history of like mm-hmm. you need to take your medication and mm-hmm. him like slowly having this break and ultimately having to be committed and like the family therapy thing and the entire the other characters attitudes like, toward the like this being illness. a white people thing yeah. yeah yeah like that thing i was like it's really just so interesting to actually see that um and yeah. I, I don't and i can't actually speak to how realistic it is too like bipolar because i don't have a lot of personal life experience with that but it's, it's just been really... Actually it's like, just been, like, for me, like, to give you guys listening some context, because obviously you cannot see us, like, <laughs> I am, like, a Chinese girl, Mare is a white girl, and then Tiffany is black, and you're mixed. Yeah. So, like, we have, like, a group of people who all have, like, varied life experiences, and two people who, like, more specifically can we speak to... We could be a tampon commercial. We could be a tampon commercial. Let's all put on white dresses and go ride horses. <laughs> no, but I think that that was part of the reason I wanted everyone here to have this discussion, because I think that part of the reason the show is so intriguing to me, and it's, like, difficult for me to articulate this in general, is, like, because I feel like I'm seeing a piece of culture and, like, seeing a part of life that I normally never get to see, like, because it's, like you said, it's never, ever depicted. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are all sorts of, like, cultural undercurrents of things in the show that I'm probably missing because it's being telegraphed in ways that I don't know how to read, right? Like, my code switch does not teach me that particular code. And I, like, that's part of the reason I was like, come here, explain things to me. (laughs) It's not like Courtney Love rolling up and saying that she's on CP time. Oh my god. (laughs) When she did that, I was like, no, no. You are way too comfortable that it's not cool. Right? Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Well, it was like the scene where, you know, Lucius reads into Andre for marrying Rhonda, a white woman. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe they're talking about this. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a conversation that some families have. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, even... uh, even though Lucius is coming from a place of sort of extreme bias and also wanting everybody else around him to be unhappy, like, there is sort of, like, an, a very serious element of lived truth to that, which is um, when he was saying that, like, they will never, ever accept you. Like, you will never, ever be white enough for them or educated enough for them or anything like that. Twice as good. Right. Yeah. And um, I was, like... It was it was very surprising to see sort of like something that honest put out there, which is not to say that like black people and white people cannot have successful relationships together because they totally can, but like that um, perception um, <laughs> that perception within the black community isn't isn't based on nothing, you know, and um, like Lucius's perception of it being toxic, although he wouldn't call it that, like it's not it's not out of nowhere. It's not just because he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, because even Cookie remarked on it mm-hmm. in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it was just like I thought that was as far as we're gonna go. Where yeah, he's like, "Oh, you married that white girl," and I thought, "Oh, that's as far as we're gonna go with this." Right, but no one forgets about it. Yeah. Well, and I also think to like jump on that, I think you also do see that in the speech that he gives about um, the IPO and how the fact that it's gonna be the first publicly traded company mm-hmm. on the New York Stock Exchange owned by black people. Owned by black people, and like, and we were sitting here, we being like, "Wait, is that true?" And I think that might be true. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Yeah, I know that for me, I'm mixed and I was raised by my white mom. And for me, like, they're just in terms of sort of like code switching and, you know, like understanding culture, they're even as a black person, there's a lot of the black culture on Empire that I don't necessarily know a lot about because I haven't lived very much of it because, you know, like I grew up on the Upper East Side with my mom. <laughs> so um, for, for that, I don't know. I just, uh, I really like seeing it again just because there's such a a one note way to be black on television and uh i i just like i like seeing more and different and uh again usually like when you have 
a black person on a show. They're the only one. And it's mm-hmm. very, even though it's technically representation, it's very isolating to watch it. And so instead, seeing a show where everyone's black and the exceptions are white or Hispanic or whatever, like that's... Um... There's not really that much Hispanic presence on the show, though. No, Michael was, was there. Michael. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was Michael. So that doesn't count. one of my coworkers were like, where are, all the Port- where are all my Puerto Rican girls in the club? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> I miss Michael. Yeah, I miss Michael. Yeah, he was really sweet. Although I will say, I do enjoy, too, that Jamal gets to have a gay black relationship that we get to see. And his gay black boyfriend is Australian, which is fun. I'm glad that he had his gay black boyfriend yeah. on Lucius's death. And Absolutely. Like, and I like that he was Australian. Yeah. yeah. We go everywhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are everywhere. We are everywhere. You cannot escape us. You will find Marcus Sam- uh, Samuelson. He's Norwegian, right? Yes. Adopted by Norwegians, but he was raised in Norway. I do have such a weirdo. Yeah. His cooking <laughs> is strange, too. But one thing I did want to put to Tiffany and Zara is there, was there something, aside from the, the white wife discussion Mm -hmm. was there something that they touched on that was like really surprising that you guys really didn't think that they were going to go there because i think that's part of the discussion that i hear in a lot of like the cultural commentary on empire is people saying like i didn't expect them to go there well the uh homophobia thing yeah they're flat out with it yeah like i know some people like upset like don't say all black people homophobia that's a thing like maybe we're not all like yelling like i hate all gay people Mm -hmm. whatever but there's still like it's kind of unspoken Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always have like, oh, there's that one cousin, oh, there's that one, you know, relative mm-hmm. that you don't really like talk about. It's not, you don't. There's, there's not like really like, oh, I hate them, but there's no real like, bring your boyfriend or girlfriend around, like, right? You know? Yeah, like this, um, a feeling there sometimes. Well, what I did think was really realistic was the way Lucius kept calling Michael his his roommate. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, because that is a thing that homophobic family members of every race have been doing for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and um, I do think, there's too... Actually, there's a great porno film called The Boys Aren't Roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Writing that down. Yeah. Um, but it's, what not, I... it's not great. Great. <laughs> it's great. It exists. That's all there, there's a porno film. <laughs> there's good porn out there. Yeah. Um, but what I will say, too, about just in terms of... Um, the worry over portraying black people as homophobic is that's really concerning for me on shows where that's like a one note plot point because yeah. if all you're going to do is have like a gay black kid being kicked aside by his family and then it's over and that happens over and over again in different contexts with sort of like no like resolution or compassion like that's useless well, but also like isolated representation where right. this is you are the token person who is representing all of your entire right so you're both life. everyone gay and everyone black and everyone black and gay <laughs> and like and everyone like black and homophobic on the other side yeah. right like, yeah. yeah right um and instead on empire because um jamal's sexuality has been uh an, an ongoing plot point the entire season we get to see a lot of different people have very different reactions yeah. to um, him coming out to meeting him and finding out and all these different things so we've got Lucius who is furious about it and at first will like barely speak about it and actually went so far as to bullying his son into marrying a woman just so he could like quote like make him less gay <laughs> um, so that's one thing and then um, I can't believe when, he knocked up his son's beard. Listen, though, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, like, especially at the beginning, I was I was worried about Cookie and Jamal and their relationship because she did sort of just, like, breeze in and start sort of, like, throwing around advice and rules and sort of, like, trying to, like, change how he was running his own life. And, um, like, some of the things she would say, I was like, I don't want other people to think it's okay to say that to your own, like, 
gay kids or gay yeah, friends yeah. or whatever. Um, but she does but, stop. But she, that's the thing, is, is she stops. And, like, at first I was a little worried when she was saying that she would support him no matter what. I thought it was she might have been coming from a more mercenary place and she just wanted to, like, make him famous and she would have said anything to make him go do things with her. And over the season it's become very clear that she loves Jamal to pieces and she is really invested in making him like feel okay about himself and like protecting him and like letting him come out when he wants to you know mm-hmm. um and then you've got um Hakeem who after Jamal came out like that scene where he went yep. to Jamal's apartment and told him that he was brave like I may have like, shed a tear it's none of your business we all cried <laughs> we all cried um, we all cried and also, you know he came out at the white party right you see his whole family is just like and like he, even props. Vernon yeah. salutes him They're you know him props. um and then you've got um like the 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 episode after he came out when, um, I forget what Estelle's character's name was, but he does that recording with Estelle, which one, Conqueror so is an amazing good. song. And two, song. like meeting another black artist, like right after he came out and she was super into both his artistry mm-hmm. and what he did by coming out. And yeah. then you've also got people like Black Rambo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, there's, there's so many reactions and so many yeah. different types of black people having different types of feelings that I feel like if we can keep having such a varied representation around Jamal and his life that I don't feel like that's an un I don't feel like what we've seen so far is like an unfair or like cruel representation of like black people and or homophobia in the black community and I also don't think it's made it look like homophobia in the black community is exceptional because the kind of stuff that Jamal has gone through is what gay white people and gay people of all other colors go through all the time and all the reactions are sort of very universal I I just feel like people will just glommed on to it like not even recognizing that there are like differences right what, no you're just saying all black people are homophobic no, right no you're not paying attention well also really. i think one thing that definitely spoke to me is like um you know when i came out in high school to my parents like they may love me but they were not perfect about it at first right. you know what i mean like my mom cried like my dad, because he's, like, into Jesus, has probably thinks I'm going to hell, but we don't really talk about it explicitly. But, like, you know, and he loves me, and I know that he loves me. Right. But, like, that doesn't mean that he's always been, like, poster child parent of the year. Like, that he's never made any, like, gay jokes because right. he, you know, was born in 1955, and, like, he still probably thinks that that's funny on some level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, and he's not perfect about it. Right. And, like, we can have discussions and he's better about it than he used to be. And, like, my mom, similar to that. And, like, it's not that she doesn't love me or even accept me, but that doesn't always mean that, like, it always has come out perfectly. Right. And that she, And there's, there's not, that like, there, once your kid comes out, there isn't necessarily, like, a magical transformation for everybody in the family. Like Yeah, like, we all go through, like, sensitivity training and then <laughs> suddenly, like, nobody. Everything's okay. Yeah, like, we all get it. Everyone's like, I'm okay, you're okay. And, like, there's no never any weirdness about, like, you know bringing your girlfriend home or like any right. of that kind of stuff and like you know blah, blah 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 because that's not really the way that it is right and like and it doesn't mean that like my parents are exceptional any more than like anyone else's parents in terms of that right so, so then the question is my last question is sort of about the fandom around empire and where is it exactly <laughs> where is it so part of the reason i was like we're doing this podcast none of none of no one has a choice. We're doing this. Because, like, I really... This is the discussion I wanted, right? Like, I wanted this insight. I wanted this context. I wanted people who were, like, smart and got it and had, like, 
could understand and explain things to talk about this show. And what I thought was so weird was that, like, I actually picked up this show midway through its run because, like, my year exploded into, like, fucking hellfire right after, <laughs> right after January 2nd. So, like, I missed everything. But then I saw, like, 15 minutes of Empire, and I think I texted, like, eight people being like, this show is going to consume my life. And I was <laughs> yeah, And I feel like, it was like, I know, right? It completely, like, <laughs> ate me alive. And I really expected that, like, after all of the discussion in fandom about diversity and representation, that, like, I would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch this on On Demand, I'm gonna go online, and there's gonna be nothing. There's gonna be nothing. <laughs> And I think, Tiffany, you made a really good point about how, like, a lot of people who, if they're entering fandom on the internet for the first time as a result of shows like Scandal or um, as a result of shows like Empire, that they're not going to be inclined to, like, write or be actively participatory in fandom. But what about the people who are, like, already there? Like, am I just, like, what happened? Like, where is all of my, where's my Harry Potter fanfic with the Horcrux? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's weird because I go on uh, Tumblr and I look up. Tumblr's you know, all about it. Yeah, yeah, I look up Empire, but it's mostly um, reaction, gifts reaction yeah. gifts, gifts that have nothing to do with the show but are hilarious. Yes, <laughs> reaction to what just happened. Yeah, um, there are some gifts of the show, but it's I it's rare. You don't see any like fanfic. You don't see any fan art. You don't see any meta. The most meta I see are professional articles from like you know Vulture and all of them that's about all I see which bless you guys I read all of them yeah yeah. I think I retweeted like three or four today I know I probably (laughs) I probably read them at work while I was ignoring work yeah I will say for me um, I haven't I haven't done a lot of searching online I just I happen to already follow the right people on Tumblr so I just get all my empire I get all my empire like gifts and things like that like you know within hours after the show comes on so I get to sort of like lean back and be lazy but um (laughs) I will say, well, there's, I think there's two factors. One is a small one, which is that, um, I think for me, a lot of fandom has changed since we all got off live journal. Mm. Um, and so I do think that like, in terms of like having discussions, a lot of us are on Tumblr and Twitter solely right now. And it's very difficult to have big discussions or long discussions or involved discussions or closed discussions, which is kind of what you want because like sometimes if you're a black person watching a black show, you don't necessarily want to involve everyone in your black politics. Um, And that can be kind of difficult when you're posting on Tumblr and trying to give all your tags weird numbers so they don't show up in like the main tags, you know? Um, So I will nod to that because I think that does make a difference, but I'll also say, you know, like the main reason is because it's black. Like that's like when that's the reason for most of like why when you have a character you really love and they're not written about it like are they a woman are they black that's probably why like so i you know for a show that is entirely about black people like there's that to be said and i think um you know some of it is just sort of like a version and i think some of it might be that like people want to write about the show and feel like it's not their place because they don't necessarily know how to write black people. Well, the right. age-old, I mean, like, age-old hand-wringing discussion that fandom has been having for years, but right. how, do, how do I accurately write a person who's not of the same race as me? Right. And, like, not only is it one person, it's, like, The entire ensemble. People. Oh, my God. Right. And I feel like because it's, you know, there's a lot of lingo and, you know, yeah. talk and yeah. stuff. You have you worry about, like, am I writing it right or am I writing it, like, just like a caricature? Because yeah. I would worry about writing that. Oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. I think, yeah, like... I feel like even in the most skilled hands, like, if it's not coming from the mouth of Taraji P. Henson, like, <laughs> you could become basically, like, varies. Right. Like, but well, I mean, the reason the show has cried, right, is because, like, 
Lee Daniels is writing it mm-hmm. for Taraji P. Henson and yeah. Terrence Howard. So, like, Lee Daniels is putting these words, his personal experiences, into the mouths of these tremendous actors. And they all have, like, whether or not they share the exact same history and context, they have enough history and context that they can interpret this correctly. Whereas, if my dumbass tried to write fanfic for this show, like, I could try really hard, but it would still be, like, I could tell, I have committed no works of paper, it would be offensive and wrong. Because, like, I just can't, like... And you would have to, like... Just be a professional writer because Eileen Chaikin, uh, she wrote the first part of this uh, season finale, mm-hmm. and white woman, white lesbian. But she's right. also working with like yeah. she's also the entire has a, production she has crew. A cast yeah, and, she has, like, and she's also the lady who's behind the L word, and anyone who's mm-hmm. seen the L word completely understands some of like the weird soapy turns of the show where you're like. Jake. Yeah. Yes. Why is this happening? This makes she was, sense. I remember the L word. She I was remember. interviewed by And Vulture. also, if we're talking about the L word, like the L word's race relations were completely shitty. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Empire's done a better job. But I just, I wonder how, like, there are black fans in non black fandoms who create stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So why are they not now bringing this? Here. I mean, like, a part of it I always want to say time. is, like, you're not you're obligated to right. like yeah. Empire just because you're black, right? Yeah. Like, just because it's a show with black people and you're black does not mean that you, like, you have to fucking clock in and I do it. I would never watch The Have and Have Nots. My, my, my coworker keeps trying to get me to watch it since we have Empire discussions. Like, now you need no. to watch The Have and Have Nots. No. And I'm like, don't. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> never watch anything by Tom ever. Right, so, like, oh, no. I don't want to say, no, like, no. you're obliged yeah. to, but it does seem like, I don't know, me, I... If you're just, always yelling about how much you want diversity, why not watching it? Why yeah. not creating stuff for it? I don't know. I mean, like, I just... Well, I feel like what also, like, what bothers me in, in terms of is, is just, like, you can, in one hand, yell at people for liking some liking a show that's, like, really white and has terrible, like, race politics, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, not be engaging in a show that is, like the least white thing on on like mainstream television right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like but I've had this I've had this like I've had this like fucking bug up my ass and, like, for years. There no, absolutely. Me, yeah. I've had this bug up my ass for years about like the representation of women on television, right? Where like because we're in fandom, which is like heavily trafficked by like science fiction and fantasy stuff, people are constantly like, fucking, there's never women. No one's ever complicated. No one's ever interesting. And I was like, there are so many complicated, interesting women on television. You're just not watching them and because they're do, on you shows. Them. You, exactly. It's like because they're on shows like The Good Wife or they're on shows like Orange is the New Black or like there are lots of places where they're complicated, interesting women. You just don't care. You just want to yell about the places where they're not showing up, which is the only stuff you watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think it's fair to, like, if you have a genre you love, to want to see representation in that genre. Because for me, um, I guess this season we are kind of watching a lot of, like, realistic, or not realistic, but, like, drama as opposed to, like, genre stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, like, my usual is, like, sci-fi fantasy stuff that's kind of where I live. And um, that's usually what I'm most inspired to write for. Mm -hmm. And so when, like, that's sort of, like, what gets me most interested and gets me most wanting to read stuff and write stuff and, you know, like, yell at people on the internet about it. (laughs) Um, Like, I think it is fair for me to be, like, disappointed that, like, all the black people on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. die. Like, you know, so when when you're, like, sort of, like... Except for Mac who was possessed. (laughs) Right. But, like... There's some other thing going on this season that I'm... It's we're gonna we're gonna put that aside for next time. But like so I mean like I like I totally get where you're coming from, Fru, and like I feel like if 
um, if I have, like, a thing I love, like, it's legit to want some representation to come to me rather than to, like, force myself to watch stuff that isn't necessarily relevant to, like, the things I, I'm interested in. But I also, like, again, like, I really do get the idea of, like, chasing your characters. So, like, sort of the way I've kind of, like, compromised with that is, like, literally whenever, like, a black woman shows up on my screen, I'm like, I don't care who she is or who she killed or what she did. I love her. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no compromises. I'm not going to have this discussion with you. Like, if you don't like her, please leave. Um, So, like. I don't have any need to do that. (laughs) Because I hated Pacific Rim, and I will hate it until the day I die. I also, I feel like it's disappointing, like, um, well, I just found out that they finally uh, renewed uh, Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, people want... Like, and the showrunner left. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and people want it, like, you know, one more, like, they <laughs> wanted more black women in sci-fi. Like, yeah. Kind of like, you know, a genre yeah. show. She's a, a black lead in a genre show. And I'm like, where, why are more people not watching? Right. Why are the ratings so bad? Right. If you want it, here it is. And I'm I just... That's the joke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and she's, and she's Abby's like, the, she's the, unqu- she's the lead. She's great. She is your anchor <laughs> of the show. Yeah. And like, I mean, it has a it has a very dedicated fan base because I'm part of it. But I'm like, where are the rest of you guys? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like people. I don't know. This is this is taking like a cynical route. I feel like people enjoy complaining. But it's also kind of, <laughs> yeah. I I really whatever. Like it's Tumblr. Um, but ultimately, my major question is like, guys, I I really need like the Harry Potter AU for this. Well, universe. that actually does like a really actually thoughtful version of American Wizarding combined with the show and like I would even actually write the one where Lucius was the dark lord who like died before anything ever happened oh my god that would be so amazing has to like live in the shadow of being like wait wait if Lucius was the dark lord who was like died or whatever secret dark lord he's coming but but Cookie went to Azkaban for like killing him because no one knew that he was the dark lord but he's back but he's back (laughs) he's living on like you know Vernon's head he's back (laughs) and you know that like Andre would be working in like the ministry and like Andre is Percy Weasley yes and then Jamal would be like trying to ignore his wizarding roots or whatever and like Hakeem who knows what the fuck Hakeem is no one knows what Hakeem is in wizarding world but like I want this he would be a wannabe uh, we don't like what would he Draco he wouldn't be Draco but he would want to be Draco well cause he wouldn't my father will hear about this well see that's the thing like he wouldn't understand like just like how evil the things he was defending are yes oh my god he'd be a wannabe death eater is this what you're telling well, me well, well that's what I mean about Draco yeah. is that like I feel he like at the very beginning of Harry right like, like all he knows is that like his dad is like the most important <laughs> man in his world and he's rich and he's powerful and he wants to be just like him and he doesn't understand that like people have been crushed and murdered and like <laughs> other people would have to be like Hakeem like this is terrible be be better than you are yeah but do you see My what son, I'm saying? Hakeem. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That, like, I need this? Yeah. I want yeah. this. This yeah. needs to happen because, like, for me. Because, like, A would be, like, American Wizarding, which I'm always always, about. Always, always. about. Also, the interesting possibility of, like, an alternate universe where, like, Lucius did not raise those kids because he was <laughs> a semi-dead, you know, dark lord. <laughs> 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 he was on the back of Vernon's head. He was on the back of Vernon's head. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Vernon, man. Vernon had a rough, R.I.P. Vernon, right? Man, sorry about it, Vernon. Yeah, I, I do kind of, I, I, I do really enjoy Andre and Rhonda. Not gonna lie, I do too. Okay, can we just bib? Let's, yeah, let's nod to the bib. Bib. Yeah. Moment, yeah, like pouring out for the bib. Inspired. I like to imagine that she's a bib for every room of the house. Right. Oh yeah. You never know. Just conveniently there. Well, she don't want to for spills. Clothes. 
<laughs> you don't want to mess up your. You clothes. know what? Sanitary oral sex is the new thing. I. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. We don't need any Monica Lewinskiing on your gown. Like, come on. I took notes. <laughs> I was like, this is a really good idea. How come no one has ever put this forth on television before? <laughs> all about this. The Andre Ronda relationship. Because at and one point, they, they were like the most. They're so healthy. They're super like, and they're, they're super house of, house of Cards, right? Yeah. Like they're very like Claire and Frank Underwood in like a weird. But you way. only see little glimmers of it, and like honestly, and, and that's sort of what's interesting about it. And like that moment where you think that Dre has cheated on her yeah. with the uh, yes. person, the woman in the DA's office, and then she comes back and it's like a sex game. Like, <laughs> Show me how you did it. What? Right? Yeah, and then and then there's Y'all another freaky. scene, but it goes too far, and like, and it's bad yeah. and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean, like, well, clearly, like she was game until she found out it was like, well, right, well, 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 like, well, no, until her. until they got to a point where it was like, okay, well, this isn't fun. Yeah. This yeah. is just you using me. Yeah. yeah, and there's no reciprocity here. Like, it's mm-hmm. not cute anymore. And like that was super legit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, and he should have known that this was different, and he did, and he pushed it anyway. Exactly. Um. That's so. when he betrayed the marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just great. Everyone on the show is great and weird and fucked up, and there's, like, a lot of weird nuance, and it's just great. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. In and conclusion. You know, in conclusion. You know, everyone is, should watch it. There is a dark lord in the back of Ron's head. <laughs> you know, there's a gasp, like, a gasp every episode. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, there's more oh, than yeah. one gasp every episode, but yes. Yeah. There were multiple gasps, and there were minimum three screams. Yes. Oh, yeah. During this episode. There was a lot of, I mean... Two hours, I'm sure there were six screams. There was a yeah. lot of screaming. There was yeah. so much screaming. Yeah. Anika. Oh my god. Hakeem. What's that painting that's like this with the hands and the, the open screen. face? The screen. The screen. <laughs> very literally, that's what this living room looked like. Just like yeah. all of us, like hands on faces, mouths wide open, like staring at the screen like, what just And happened? not just because Danny Strong randomly retweeted Oh my us. god. He <laughs> did. So strange. My brush with fame. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. Guys... Uh, we have talked for a really long time. Do we have any closing thoughts on Empire? Um, I guess for me, I do just want to say, like, I, I'm not interested in, like, guilting anyone to writing fanfiction, because that's a terrible reason to write anything. Absolutely. And I've literally never finished anything because of guilt. But, like... If only that worked. Right? But I will say, like, if you've ever, like, written Hardison, or you've ever written Abby, or... I don't know, like, anyone else, if you've ever written, like, Alicia from Misfits, if you've ever written, like, any other black character, like, or you've ever loved them and you love the characters on this show, like, if you're not black and you want to write them, like, I don't think there, there's not a rule that says you can't, just, like, don't be a dick. I think that's a pretty, pretty decent, like, baseline, you know, like, don't, don't be a dick, watch what you're writing, don't expect, like, black people to be, like, your research objects for no reason but like if you love the show write for the show because it's a really great show and we, we need Lucius on the back of our head. So it's like a hundred percent important to everyone in this world. I mean also I would say that I think there's maybe something will happen during the break between the season and honestly there's there's so much to explore even within the world of the show like yeah. non Harry Potter at these things. Very true. Like there's so many things that are just sort of like throwaway lines and weird stuff that kind of gets brought up once and doesn't get brought up no. again that I feel like it is it does seem to me to have kind of like those fandom bones of like a really great setup and a lot of like drama and intrigue and stuff but it also has all of these like spaces where 
for whatever reason because <laughs> they keep dropping to the it. thread. Like, but are, it's, it's not just like drop threads though. Like, not, I'm I'm, I'm super into like the bizarre friendship that Becky and Lucius have. Yes. Like, what the shit is that? Lucius right about it. that. She's yes. the first to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to know. I want to like. I want the full backstory of Andre and Rhonda. Like, yeah. I want to know how they met. I want to know how they started dating. I want to know how that first meeting of his family went. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. all of that. Yeah. Give me all yeah. of it. No, there's, there's just a, there's a lot in there that I feel like in in those ways in which it's not one of those shows that I watch them and I'm like, there's nothing else I need from this other than what I've just seen on my television. Like, I don't need a fandom experience because I already have everything that I want and I'm completely satisfied by it. Like, this is a show where I'm like. I love this and I also want more and I have all these questions that I yes. feel like right. you could fandom could have some interesting answers right. that's a good yeah. way to put it I was just like yeah. thinking like you know as a, a person who grew up on like daytime soaps and like the nighttime soaps of the 80s you know Dallas and Dynasty and Falcon Crest and I like and not Did you watch I watched, Passion? yes <laughs> I watched like weird. I watched like the daytime soaps and I watched the all witch. the nighttime soaps and I love that like they're bringing it back they're yeah. bringing back the soap the full on soapy moments mm-hmm. yeah. where you're like holy crap and they're also and it's both like money and it's gorgeous furs they're all in cookies but they're gorgeous furs <laughs> and like there's a party like every episode I'm like yeah. I miss like soapy fun times and everything's like so dark and serious mm-hmm. and I like that this has like a a little even though everyone's getting killed there's still a lot <laughs> of it you know well there's so much there's so much like let's say I like the aesthetic like there's so much gorgeous yeah. stuff all the time so much and, nail um, collar like, you guys aspirational yeah. like yeah. way and that you don't actually see like in like, terms of the black experience right and like we, and you guys have been comparing <laughs> it to soaps and I know like revenge is basically a soap but it's very like black revenge for me because <laughs> whenever I watch revenge it's basically like <laughs> heels and murder porn like that's what it is and like a lot of that is what I get from Empire so that's pretty satisfying <laughs> in terms of leopard print <laughs> and what else could we possibly say right. we should probably close on that guys thank you so much for coming to my house eating shitty pizza and watching this and screaming with me oh, it's been a blast thank you for inviting us so um, very last piece of this podcast we did get some questions that came in via tumblr the first question from Anon I think is great and we'll try to keep these answers short since this has already run so long um, Anon asks is Empire brilliant or a mess I can't decide <laughs> it has qualities of both it's I a vote. brilliant mess. Thank you. Yes. That's exactly what I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to echo Tiffany when I say that, like, as someone else who also, like, watched and genuinely loves soap opera from, like, the bottom of her heart, like, that is, like, kind of what I want from the genre. And, like, I watch this and it's just, like, scratching that genre itch for me of, like, all of the ridiculousness. Everything is insane. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> just weirdo drama tropes just flying at your face, like nonstop, and like nothing gets resolved. But who cares? Or I'm like, good, more. Like, yeah, that's that's. I love that, and like, I I'm just such a fan of that narrative. And I honestly like again haven't actually there isn't just since I don't I can't watch daytime soaps as a sadly employed grown up. Like <laughs> you know, um, there is just something about it that <laughs> just like. The, the messiness of it is part of what makes it so much fun. And, like, I don't want to, like, take it and take it too seriously on that level. Yeah. In terms of trying to be, like, well, this plot arc does blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. that, was, <laughs> that was super entertaining for me, and that's all I have to say. Yeah, it's, it's not one of those shows where I want to, like, explain it. Like, I don't want to say I love it, but, or, you know, like, nah. I, or, like, make excuses for it. Like, I do just, I fucking love the show the end. It's just, like, this happens. I'm good with it. Yeah. Let's go. Exactly. All right, second question. Um, Anon asks... Agree or disagree, Taraji and Terrence have the best chemistry on television at the moment. I say yes. I agree. Yeah. Oh. 
I'm still thinking about the early episodes, though, of this yeah. season. Yeah. they were playing around. Yeah, I think that, like, as the season progressed, it definitely changed. Mm-hmm. But, like, those first couple of episodes, the two of them, are just so electric together. Before I mean, they stop together. Yes. I, 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 I will give them electric. Like, I, they have so much energy and they're so intense. But, like, in chemistry means something slightly different to me. And, like, they're so, like, unhealthy and kind of miserable that I can't really, I can't really agree. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I think the two of them, like, portray those two so well, and yeah. it's hard to imagine anyone else doing either one of the roles better in terms of, like, the individual characters and the way they relate to each other. Yeah. Unlike, you know, the very, like, tangible, more intangible ways on that show. So, like, I think they are so super solid, but I, I do have to agree that, like, people were like, I kind of want them not to intend up together. I'm like, no, no. you don't. No. What's wrong with no, no, you? No. Why don't you love Cookie no. more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take no. that back, guys. Get away. Like, where there's a part of me that's just like, run away, run away. You know? Like, <laughs> Find find another pillow. Find a bigger pillow. Go to prison with a pillow. Right. <laughs> Run away by Bruno Mars starts playing. Like, seriously. <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, another Anon just asks simply, would you ditch a bitch for Cookie's Nookie? Yes. yes. Who what? would say no to that? Did you see her Absolutely. Ass? 100%. Absolutely. That was an ass. Uh. An <laughs> Even Nika, like, made, like, a green stank face. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> she was yes. like, I have to give you props. Right. That is indeed an ass. <laughs> there is no lie. No. <laughs> All right. Last question, which is sort of fun. Um, do you guys have any actors or actresses that you would really like to see guest star on the show? <laughs> oh, Listen, no. <laughs> yes. Um, Starting with Mary J. Blige. Yes, she was she's, on for, she's well, on for a second, yeah. but we want like, her on we want, for real. I want her to like, sing the Mary J. Blige. I would love it if Missy Elliott and Timbaland were actually on the show, as opposed to Timbaland just producing. Like, Ooh. obviously, I have n- there's there's never a single beat he has laid down that I have disagreed with, but I would love to see him on the actual show. That would be fantastic. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tiffany? Off the, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. And I'm probably going to think of, like, a billion people. Like, you know? What would actually be really interesting to me, though, it would might be too meta, because, like, obviously some of this is, like, kind of based on that experience. It can be, like, the Jay-Z Beyonce factor. Yeah, Like, like uh, alt-universe. Like. Oh, and um, on Tumblr recently, I saw a really cute picture of Quiventione Wallace with Jesse Smollett and Yaz. And if she yes! were on the show... <laughs> Maybe as a, uh, if, like, a actually she... aged... Lola, Lola yes. or, like, or if she came we could on do a time as like jump for season two, yeah. but, or even if she came on as like a really young like Willow Smith type recording artist, Aww. like I would be super down for that. Like she could be in literally anything, and I would be like, yes, I will pay to see Annie again. Like you bring a Journey in. Yeah, I love Journey Smollett. She yeah. was so good on Friday Night Lights. Yeah. They were saying that Oprah's going to be on. Yeah. I don't think that's, that she's, like, on my dream wish list. Oh, my God. But what, what, but, connection. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. But, like, I, I feel like she'd be really great as, like, a lawyer or a judge or something for Lucius. See, the closest that I see is she would just be playing Oprah doing a jailhouse interview with... Uh... <laughs> that would be fucking yes. incredible. Yeah. They have people playing themselves. You know. Oprah. You know. Fantasia would be fun. Ooh, Fantasia would be fun. I love yeah. Fantasia. Yeah. I'm trying to think of people who, like, are not singers who would be great. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole list of, like, my black faves, and all of a sudden I'm blanking. Like, like I, I don't know what's happening to me. I mean, like, just yeah, for, like, union. pure, just, like, for pure, like, lulzy crossover appeal, like, 
if you could somehow get Viola Davis and Kerry Washington oh, well, on that absolutely. show, like, it would be kind of hilarious. And a heartbeat. Oh, my God. You could even just do it as, like, a dumb in, like, in, like, in-world like in cameo where they're, like, sitting around watching how to get away with murder. And that would be kind of great for right? me. Yeah. Octavia yeah. Spencer, that would be good for me. Yeah. And she's free now that they canceled that terrible show, Red yeah. Dance Society. It would be funny if actual Halle Berry showed up. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, um, oh, she was just on How to Get Away with Murder. Um, she Lee Tyson? No, 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 no. But she was really great. Oh, she was so good. Um, Michaela's a soon-to-be mother-in-law. Oh, what is that it's, actress's name? Oh, yeah, her. Yes, right. I know who you mean. And the woman who played, um, the woman who played V on Orange oh, is the New Black. Yes, who actually like lives in her neighborhood. She does. We saw her at a bar once. Yeah. Still not over it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly we want a lot of people to be Queen on this Latifah. show. Ooh, Giancarlo Esposito. Ooh, Queen Latifah would be great. Mm-hmm. John Legend can come. Yeah. Nicki Minaj. Mm. I don't Everybody. think... Lynn Whitfield. No, that wasn't her. How, how could I... Lynn Whitfield anyway? How would we handle Nicki Minaj and Cookie in a scene together? Oh my god. I feel like I'm preemptively... I feel like I'm preemptively feeling my heart explode inside of my chest. You know? You know, also uh, Regina King as like a cookie yes. cousin. Like yeah. Cousin of cookies. It would be cute if they brought Fifth Harmony on the show. Oh, like a girl girl band. Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A girl band. Yeah. yeah. That would be so nice. Okay, so here's what I want. I want, like, a girl group, and I also want Hakeem to be Drake in the chair. Yes! And <laughs> Minaj to do Anaconda. Yes, though. Oh, that's important. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of really good stuff here. I really hope that Danny Strong is listening to this oh podcast God. right now, <laughs> jotting down notes, making all of this happen. Drake on the show, though. Heavy <laughs> act. Lucia Aubrey stuck Graham. to the back of Uncle Vernon's head. <laughs> on the show being the saddest boy in all of Canada. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps us up for this week. Guys, thank you so much for coming out to my apartment, eating shitty pizza, hanging out, talking about the show. It's really great to have uh, people to scream with for this finale. <laughs> and that does it for this week. Thanks for hanging out with us. You can find us during the week on Twitter at Slash Report. You can find us on Tumblr at SlashReport.tumblr.com, even though we don't post anything there. Um, and otherwise, we will see you on the flip side. Bye. Hey guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm. <laughs> what the fuck was this? This are gonna be great. I know, so great. Balls. Balls, balls, balls. I hate you. <laughs> All I want to do, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, MK. The only thing I'm going to get out of Kingsman is some background for, like, nasty fanfics that I want to read. And the only fanfics that I want to read are about slutty, underage Renfoy, Eggsy. And his much older sugar daddy, Colin Firth. Like, I don't need anything else for this fandom. In reality, like, watching the movie is irrelevant to how I'm going to interact with this fandom. Because all all I need is, like, really well-dressed, hot, dangerous older man taking Eggsy firmly in hand. That's all I need. That's the first third of the movie, which is why the first third is good. <laughs> also, Colin Firth's fight scenes, I was like, hi, I'm into this. Um, I'm into him forever, always. Like like I said, my instinctive response to anybody else, like having a crush on Colin Firth, is to fight them. I know, but like, I'm, I'm used to being into Colin Firth just like staring creepily at ladies across <laughs> rooms with like intent. And 
instead he was like a gentleman who then started beating the shit out of like chavs the best part is i'm totally gonna put this as the outtake and we'll like i promise we'll do a more extensive kingston overview but like i just got to get this perv out into the world thanks we do it for you slash reporters all right Are risking your life, you know. Oh, oh. 